This is Vic Vaseline here, the used podcasting wizard, because I make used podcasts disappear. Head on down to the Giant Size Team-Up Network and B Emporium and check out our fine used podcasts. Whatever you're looking for, we've got it in mostly used, but I can make look kind of shiny podcasts. What are you looking for? Pokemon? We've got it. About toys? We've got it. D&D? We've got it. Comic books? We've got it. Three idiots talking about nothing at all? We've got it. Now you might be asking yourself, can I get a little bit more information about these podcasts? And while I prefer not to tell you, I am legally bound and obligated to do so. Check out our 1969 model, Breaking the Panel. It's a piece of shit, but it'll get you where you're going. Not the kind of podcast for you? Well, how about you slip into something a little bit more comfortable? Everyone loves a glistening, muscly comic book podcast, so try on the Blazing Defender Report. Oh, yeah. Looking for something to make you look a little younger? Well, head on over to Toy Power, where you can get a podcast designed for children, but collected by adults. Maybe you prefer your podcast with a little bit of liquor. Check out our 2016 model, Botched, a D&D podcast. Yeah, it's only about a year and so old, but it's been used many, many times. In fact, when you enter it, neither one of you is going to have any idea. With every purchase of a botched a D&D podcast, you get a case of Natty Light, the finest brew around. And finally, our Pizza de la Resistance, the Pokemon Go podcast. Fun and childish colors, it's great at picking up kids. Not that you'd want to do that. Maybe you, like someone else that is not on this commercial, is legally obligated to be no less than 500 yards away from schools. I do not judge. Also, if you head on over to the Giant Size Team Up Network, for every podcast you purchase, we will let you pick your very own bushel of bees! So come on down to the Giant Size Team Up Network and Bee Emporium and buy your new used podcast today. And tell them Vic Vaseline lubed you up and got you ready for a podcast. And as Vic Vaseline, the used podcasting wizard, always says, expect a corona! These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we tackle all the fun, geeky news and comic book stuff in the week that has happened prior to today, because if we could do it prior to, you know, the future, we would not be doing a podcast we'd be predicting the future i am the rock out podcasting who takes these intros sideways every single time my partner in crime my partner in life paul Clemens. hey <laughs> like super big hetero life mate bros yeah man we bros we played we played we played we'll talk about it again we played some stuff this weekend it was fun uh and this is already sounding. I'm, I'm already in. I, I'm, I'm on this show, but I'm already in. I want to see where this goes. Why couldn't they both be silent Bob hetero life? <laughs> That's what I want. Uh, well, well, the J to our silent Bob's Casey Strode. It's me. <laughs> I, I've never seen Casey Tuck. Yeah, well, he's not been to Dragon Con yet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and Mike, editing Goodbye Horses right now. I'm doing it. Oh no! Oh. And I'm out again. I was in, and now I'm out. <laughs> I'd uh, this thing turns on a dime. The the man we had to fire Casey for our special <laughs> guest host this week, Brian D. Bradley. 
Hello, gentlemen. Hello. I'm very glad to be here. Applause, so, applause. For those of you who don't know, space. Brian is a very, very accomplished man by marrying Audrey Kearns, and that's what yes. we're for. <laughs> my chief. Uh, she was uh, boozing phasers. He got to, to sit on the sidelines for that. Uh, Neil before Odd, he got to sit on the sidelines for that. You're, you've done a great work supporting Audrey, man. We appreciate I know. I'm the water boy for uh, my, my wife's <laughs> endeavors. I'm right there with the Gatorade when she needs it, uh, you know. Yep, a little she's trainer a, on the side. She's amazing, and we're trying to get her back on yeah. uh, uh, next month, I think, so when she might have some availability. She's super busy now. She is, well, you know, she's she's crushing it on, on GGA all the time. And she then, is. Yeah, doing this uh, Story Collider storytelling show out here. She's the L.A. producer of this new mm -hmm. kind of national science meets the moth kind of storytelling show, so she's been, yeah. been doing that. Yeah, she's she's – She's all over the place. She God is. bless her. Now, I, I awesome am story. obviously teasing Brian. He's very accomplished in his own right. And we'll talk about, uh, we're going to interview him at the end. We're going to talk about all the great things he's done and the fun stuff he's been through and all the creative geekery that he does. But first, we've got some headlines. We've got some news. We're just going to kick it off. We've got a lot of fun trailer stuff towards the middle of this thing. We're going to kick it off with the one that I know we're all going to talk about for a while. Stingers, man. Apparently, according to some people, Stingers are only on movies that suck, and they're there to save movies that suck, right? I mean, that's oh. what's gonna happen. <laughs> I, you're talking about the Logan. You're talking about uh, the Logan director. Uh, what's his name, Paul? Because I know you probably have the article open right now. Mangold? Mangold. James Mangold. Uh, yeah. Well, but I don't know. what. It would have been weird. Don't you think Stingers would be weird on that movie? <laughs> In so <laughs> sad. And then, like, you know, go like yeah. – Real super sad credits with super sad music, and then come back and it's you know like the Wasp and Ant Man. No, no, no. You got, my my credits for for Logan is it it pans out back to his grave and then his hand just shoots up out of it. Just shoots up out. Oh, completely, okay. Completely butchering all of the emotional tension of that. Movie. Yes. <laughs> and erasing everything that we just saw. Oh, he is immortal after all. And he just says Logan will return in X yeah. versus Avengers. <laughs> Logan <Yeah>. rises. <laughs> yeah. Well, to jump in here for a second, to fill in people who don't know what we're talking about yet. Oh, yeah. The director of Logan, James Mangold, had some very strong opinions with some strong language about the use of stingers, uh, particularly by the MCU. And how he thinks it cheapens film and it cheapens the product and it's basically only used as a crutch because you can't put a solid film together. Oh, I, I was quoting him when I set that up. He said, you can't expect a stinger to save a sucky film and there seem to be mm -hmm. only on sucky films. And so like every by now, that's the quote. Uh, but by default, that means all MCU movies are right. had stingers on every single one of them. Every. Yeah. Yeah. I mean uh, it's that what a strange thing to say i mean it's mm -hmm. okay if you don't want to have stingers yeah in your sure it's, it's fine it's not the end of the world i'm not 100 percent sure what you got to take the extra swipe of the rest <laughs> of the movies i don't really know what that's all about and, at all and i agree that logan ended perfectly didn't need a stinger didn't yeah. want a stinger they said there wouldn't no. be one it, did, it would not have made sense at all to have a stinger i mean what what, what are you going to have 13 running around cutting trees down with her claws and practicing. I don't know. I don't, I don't need a continuous. That was a story in itself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that swipe, I don't understand I the cranky old man. But the question is, what is wrong with stingers? That's what I say. Is, is it, again, like, I think it's, it's some feature people might really feel that they're, it's too close to TV, like, 
coming attractions or something or sure. like you know like scenes from next week's episode you know um but i think that people that are living in that dream you know uh are living behind the times because tv you know these feature films they're you know the feature world and the tv world aren't that far apart anymore i mean they're yeah, ad- right. almost identical forms you know uh, in some ways and so i think people are who have netflix and binge and all that it's just you know, expect to see that stuff in the credit. It's an expected feature. You know, he didn't want to do it because he's grumpy. It's kind of like, oh, why buy me a dick about it? You know? <laughs> Jeez. I, yeah, yeah. So that's my thing is like, obviously stingers aren't perfect for every project. You know, you don't, you're not going to just tack it on a film like Logan. And there's plenty of other comic films even that don't deserve one, you know, or don't right. need one. But they've been using them in the MCU to create a shared, you know, the shared universe feeling. Sometimes like you got like the shawarma thing after... Avengers. That was just a little funny it's scene. Fun. Right. It's just fun. That's it's a little. Movie. It's a laugh. Yeah. Um. But a lot of the other ones have been like, here, here's the the link to the next film. There's yeah. nothing wrong with doing that. It's like it's a little Easter egg, tasty tidbit. You know, it, it, for us as comic fans, we're used to stuff like that being done. You know, absolutely. Like the last panel of a book being like, just tune in next week. And so, yeah. I think it's kind of like a little bit tone deaf to like rail against it so hard and not realize how pivotal it is to the source material that we're yes. talking about here, you know, comic films. I just, one of the, Brian, you know, you've got some unique perspective here out of all of us because you work in the industry. I've noticed that there's like this underlying theme in some folks who just really don't like the way things are being done right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause we, we had the whole Jodie Foster thing a couple of weeks ago where she's just like, Oh, these big blockbuster films are ruining the industry. And we, we've had other people say similar things, you know, like uh, I, a couple of years ago, was it Jack Black had a dig at one of the award shows about all mm-hmm. the comic movies and stuff. And it's like, I understand that it probably feels like, you know, some of the more auteur type stuff gets pushed out because of this stuff. Yeah. But like, what's your input on it? Because, you, you know, you, you get to work with this stuff. So it's close well, to home for you. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of the, div- the same division that's always existed between people that like genre work, you know, mm-hmm. genre stuff and the people that didn't really grow up with it. You know, I don't know what James Mangold's history is. I mean, he may have been in his basement, you know, rolling D and D characters as a kid. I have no idea, but sure. I reckon he doesn't, to your point, Paul, I reckon he doesn't, he's not a, a, a comic book guy. He's a guy who got hired to direct a comic book and sure. probably went back, had to read the material you know, all that stuff. Right. So it's like, he, you know, I don't know that he's a, a lifelong fan and, and under, cause sometimes I think those things like the stingers and all of that stuff is very, very grounded in what comic book mm-hmm. uh, life is all about. People that really liked comic books that really grew up with them. They, those people get those cues and Marvel knows, I mean, they know that, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're trying to bring comic books to life, not just, the characters, but the experience of reading comics and stuff. So I, I think there's that division in Hollywood. There's those people that are like, well, we've all made a lot of money on superheroes, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't give a shit about Comic-Con year round or when I'm not mm-hmm. working on a, yeah. on a, a Marvel film or something. I mean, mm-hmm. they want to go off and make their indie films. And fact of the matter is, you know, those movies, that money doesn't exist anymore. It's very, very hard to get, you can either make a very cheap movie in Hollywood or you can make an extremely expensive movie in Hollywood. And, you know, there's not much room for the medium budget films anymore, you know, because these studios are all in on, on, 
on these uh, franchises. That's all they do. They just don't have, you can't sell a comedy. It's very hard you know, yeah. to sell a comedy, a, a studio comedy these days. You know, they make a few every year and they make some Oscar bait every year, but that's all they really do. So I get the frustration that people feel, but all of that work has moved to television. <laughs> you know, yeah. all of those things that, that would have been your $20 million film, indie film or your thriller or whatever mm -hmm. else, they've all gone to Netflix and to streaming and that's where that shit is at. You know, it's left the cinema and, and it's at home. And really the what's left in the sort of cinema space is, big blockbusters or big extravaganzas that can only right. play, you know, on those giant screens, you know? Well, I'll, I'll say as a fan, it's great to hear that from the other side. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's, that's the assessment we've kind of come to time and time again on the show. We've talked about this stuff before and it's like, yeah, the, the, the streaming space is the place for that stuff. Like a lot of the, you know, that, that yeah. lower budget and there's some great stuff. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about it later in the show, but Cloverfield paradox being a good example of it, uh, clearly not a, you know, big blockbuster budget type project yeah. goes on to Netflix and, you know, they did their Super Bowl spot and people are talking about it. You know what I mean? And there's, there's room for stuff there that maybe isn't, there isn't room for in the major feature production. Yeah. I think there's just a, there's, there's a group of people that mourn that, the, the mm -hmm that in studio films the people that don't want to write tell you know not everybody wants to write serialized you know right right comedy or drama or adventure you know serial art you know like comic books is in television they're kindred to each other like we know that the characters have to survive for a hundred episodes or, <laughs> you know, uh, um, you know, on and on and on. And, you know, not everybody wants to write that way, you know, they, yeah. and that, and they're being forced to do that. So it's like they, they have their thriller idea, but now they have to think of 10 episodes as, <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like a two hour movie. And they're like, well, I'm not, you know, it's a different kind of writing. But, every, you know? but, but also at the same time, maybe as a writer, you've got to get with that, that go getter director who can get the independent funding. Cause Netflix is buying, pre-made movies not just funding them mm -hmm. but buying them sundance mm -hmm. has been buying movies for a True. decade now because they had their own ifc channel and all that jazz right mm -hmm. you know so i know a director who got her star actually i know two directors who got their starts doing the independent stuff and, and maybe putting it on youtube and then getting mm -hmm. picked up by hulu or by netflix and and now jen page i don't know if you've met jen page uh, she's mm, i don't think so I thought maybe her and Audrey might run the same circles. I can't remember. Possibly. I, I forget who knows who. But Jen Page, uh, she got her start basically doing her own independent work. And now she, I don't know if it went anywhere because we'll, we'll talk about it later, about how sometimes stuff gets picked up and then goes nowhere. But I know she's working with Marvel on something yeah. a little bit that she couldn't talk about. And I don't know if anything went of it. But you got to hustle sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a crazy universe of, of entertainment now, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's sort of ever growing and ever changing, you know, between stuff that solely lives online, you know, like, you know, and then and that, those are sort of divided too between like your sort of premium things yeah. like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and, and this kind of um, streaming, mm -hmm. you know, HBO basically, you know, yeah. and, then, and then there's like that whole universe of YouTube stuff or Twitch stuff that is, is exists there too. Plus the, you know, traditional television, cable feature films, and now virtual reality, you know, there's a lot of, of ways to, 
to get break into the industry now. And, um, but in some ways it's harder than it's ever been, <laughs> you know, it's actually harder um, because while there are a lot of big universes of original content being made, they're very fear driven. The producers are very fear driven. In other words, yeah. the studios are, are like yeah. that. So they mm -hmm. tend to buy from a lot of the same people over and over and over again out of fear of trying to break somebody new and, you know, having that go, you know, tits up on them. And then they're like, Oh, and now they're caught on the hook with like, well, I back these. I mean, if stranger things, you know, the, um, mm -hmm. What are the, the brothers that did Duffer brothers? Yeah. 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 Th those guys are great, but like they had a, you know, they had a little bit of success, but I know the story of them going around trying to hustle that, that stranger things. They had a huge story Bible, massive sort of um, deck to take in and pitch it. And no one wanted to buy that thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then over at Netflix, they, it, because of their weird little algorithm, they, it, they walked in and Netflix is like, this ticks, four of the five boxes we're trying to tick right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, in our niche audience algorithms that we're, we're kind of working. And they said, let's go make it, you know, if in it, it lucky, it was great. But I mean, yeah. you can understand Netflix is on the hook for what the whole, not just a pilot, but the whole series, you know? So if they make a thing and it could, you know, sometimes you get, you know, Santa Clarita diet, which is kind of crappy. And sometimes you get, you know, uh, stranger things, which is amazing. Yeah, right. So, so the fear is making it harder for people to break in, I think. So it's a little bit of like both. Lots mm -hmm, of places to go, but you know, you might need a you might need a boost getting into that market a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I answered anyone's question. No, that, but that's, <laughs> no, that's, no, that's that what we do. We just talk. We to, okay. Yeah. Now I want to bring it back to Casey and I want to throw this to you, Casey. Uh going back to Mangold. Now he directed the Wolverine. Right, which is arguably not a great film. I mean, it's, it was okay. No, it's fine. I, I, it's fine. Yeah, I like that. I like <laughs> but at the end of the Wolverine, they did a, they forced in a stinger. According to him, I, I, from what I read between the lines, he didn't put in the stinger. The studios put in the stinger for the apocalypse, X Men Apocalypse. Right, where he's in the airport, and, and and you know they roll up, and it's like Logan, we need you. <laughs> and then it's like yeah. Magneto's just there and he's like we'll give you your claws back and everything per Charles you know it's <laughs> well they didn't say that exactly but that right. was pretty much that's the gist of it yeah, yeah that's more or less yeah. in case you missed that one folks <laughs> watching the mediocre Wolverine goes to the uh, but then the X-Men Apocalypse was, was crap I mean it was a bad film and that was a terrible movie so Mangold well, that, that set up Days of Future Past, not Apocalypse. No. No, the other way around. Right. No, no, no. The the Stinger set up Days of Future Past. Right. Oh. Which yeah. For Wolverine? Course. I thought it yeah. set up Apocalypse. I thought no, it was all Wolverine set up Days of Future okay, Past. Okay, so here's where I get confused. I don't have the article in front of me. But I'm pretty sure Mangold says about setting up Apocalypse. So maybe No, I'm looking at the article. He, he said <laughs> Days of Future Past. You're yeah. fire clots, Brian. Well, you permanent. You know, in the article, <laughs> the, the author mentions that he had a stinger in there, so they're kind of pointing out that he's sort of being a hypocrite. Which, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's kind of true, but I thought, I thought maybe he was irritated because he made a media, oh, an okay comic book film that was then tied to maybe a worse comic well, book film. I mean, that—that's the funny part is he's like, yeah, stingers get put on crappy films, and then we're like, so the Wolverine had a stinger. Yeah, yeah. What you got to say about that, bro? Like, I mean, Logan's a masterpiece. Like Logan, I guarantee that James Mangold was not deeply thoughtful on the subject of. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't think this is like 
please let them ask me about sticks. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he's like, let one son of a bitch come at me. Come at me with the sticker thing. <laughs> Who edited this in my fucking movie? <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I think someone asked him about it and he yeah. answered glibly. And I, I just don't think this is a very strange issue. The, the interesting like, part is the double down, though. You know, when he when the yeah. follow up interview happens and he's like, oh, yeah, no, I, f- I feel exactly the same way I felt this. The well, he just read Trump's book. <laughs> the Art of the Deal. He learned that yeah. you double down. You double say down. Huh. Say it again louder. Well, Never that's, surrender. That's here's here's my hot take on it, if you will. Um, oh. Mangold kind of strikes me as the kind of comic book fan who calls, you know, collected stories, graphic novels. Which is, this is something of a bit of a, a known pet peeve of mine. I hate the term graphic novel because I feel like fans use it in a way to sort of elevate the material more than it should be. I think comic books have literary merit on their own and you can call them comic books or trade paperbacks yeah. and it's fine. You don't need to call them graphic novels. Well, you do. That's how you get a hipster to, to uh. You're talking it, to a guy with beard, with a beard and these block glasses. Yeah, <laughs> and you have like you have like gloves from a production of Oliver. Oh, yeah, on. yeah. You just can't see the bun behind the headphones. <laughs> yeah, either you go. Look like you're going to visit Fagin a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. give, him, give him some men's pocketbooks. You <laughs> can I have some more, please? <laughs> uh, great line. Good line. Uh, yeah, I I call them graphic novels. I guess, I, but I do think that something's different than like. I do what you mean. I, I think you're right. It's like it's a dumb way for them to not feel stupid ab- about buying a comic book. Right. That's really sure. what it is. Like, I, well, they know comic books are cool, but it's even cooler to say graphic novel. Right. And if you go to an independent bookstore, they definitely have a graphic novel se- section, yeah. which is just a comic section. You so, know? so what's the actual distinction? Because, like, to me, something like 300 would be a graphic novel. Yeah. Agreed. Because it's a it's a self-contained but, yeah. narrative. Right. Yeah. Well, and then it's done. I think a lot of people experience Watchmen that way, though. Right. You know. Yeah. I think because um, that's one that a lot of like grad students, English department grad students have. That's <laughs> the one they've read, which I really enjoyed. Watchmen. It was transformative. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I I love it too. But I think they experience like there's something about the density of it and the thickness of it that feels not cheap or feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really swear to God, there's really no difference, but. Sure. Maybe the standalone things like, you know, like you say, 300. But Watchmen, I think people read it straight through. Yeah. You know, my, my, my rule for it is that it, it's just it's published as one thing. It's, yeah. it's intended yeah. to be published in one shot. It's done in one yeah. shot. Watchmen was serialized over the course of 12 issues. Correct. I don't really think it counts. I'm pretty sure 300 was done in one go. Um, yeah. but I've only ever read that collected, so I'm not a hundred percent, but they're like, yep. anytime right. Marvel does, and they, they had a whole line from like the seventies through like the early nineties called original graphic novels, which is where you got stuff like, you know, the death of Captain Marvel was published right. as a one, a done in one story called an yes. original graphic novel. That's, that's my basis for it. But to swing it back to Mangold, when I say that he's the kind of fan that tries to elevate a comic book into a graphic novel just with terminology, it's also like his movie, and not to take anything away from it because I do think it's great, but that it's not just a comic book film, it's art. Right. You know? Yeah. Sometimes it's a way to own it, man. Light at the form. This is my point is that I don't think he loves this form. He's not, he's embarrassed of it as opposed yeah. to embracing it. I don't know that for sure, but I can always tell the real 
like Joss Whedon would never do that. Now they're very different, but I mean, Joss Whedon loves comic books. You know, Joss, Joss Whedon's a for real. Um, he's, he's, he's a one of us geek. And there are a lot of people in this industry, actors, directors, producers, and writers who have come at this material because it's now a way to make a living and not, you know, not because they, they were, they grew up with it and have make those distinctions. And I do think that sometimes they, they, they don't like the fans. I could just tell. You can always tell the ones that are like, I don't get this whole scene when they're at Comic-Con or mm-hmm. at Dragon Con. Like, I don't get yeah. this, you know. Like, I don't – they always want to let you know that they're really not geeky and, <laughs> you know, that they – that they're you know, you can just tell. And I, I do think it's a way of, of cutting on, on pop culture. You know, you're exactly right. Sure. You know, it, it's okay. We see you. We see you when you do it. You know, I mean, I can tell the fakes a lot. Most people can, you know, he made a great movie though. I mean, for a guy who you were saying maybe is not like deeply into kind books. I thought that was a really fun, dark, you know, take on on the, on the comic book movie. And that I, I hope we have a lot more like it, Mm -hmm. you know, sure we will. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's something that we've kind of needed in comic films for a while. The MCU crushes the, like we always talk about how, each film's basically a genre film, but it's still a comic film and it yeah. feels like a comic film. Logan didn't feel like a comic film necessarily. It felt like a, you know, a self-contained it felt like action Shane. film with a Drew. Well, like that's Shane with, I know it's because it is Shane. Yeah. Charles, you like, say that every time. Like I it's know. a revelation. I'm not saying it's like a revelation. They <laughs> <people, laughs> shot clips of Shane yeah. in the middle of the movie. I know. And people need to go watch Shane. Cause that's a damn good film. It is. You're right, though. It's a little artier. It's a little, like, more emotional. But I still say fuck you a little bit to them for trying to distance themselves. Because sure. all of those characters come from serialized comic books, you know? Mm-hmm. They all come from this thing that you kind of look down your nose at. You don't have those relationships in that world without comic books and without comic book fans. And so for you to sort of go, I'm going to just take this and make a one-off film and I really don't care about stingers or being a right. part of this universe yeah. is a little bit like, you know, well, that's ungrateful. Not, a, not only to do it, you know? not only to do like a comic film, but to do two of them. And yeah. Like, but I'm not really into the whole comic. Yeah, you've got to really like Wolverine to make two movies about him. I would. And you, you know, you like great. the money. The other thing about Logan, as great as it is, a lot of the emotional punch in that film is established through all the prior films that lead up to it. Correct. Even though it's not like a, a clearly, you know, you can't track the, the linear narrative per se, because we don't exactly know where it all sits in the timeline after Days of Future Past. But basically, all of our emotion walking into that is because we've been X-Men fans for the last 20 years and we've been watching these movies. And so we know what... Yeah. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine has gone through. Logan has gone through. You know what I mean? We've been there for those beats. And you've seen these actors portray these roles yeah. you know, over a, yeah. de- a decade or more of time. So, you know, we're, 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 we're um, watching not just the characters that we love that existed before Patrick Stewart and uh, um, what's his name? Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman took over those roles and created them for the screen, but you're actually seeing that relationship they've built on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really almost what that film is about. It's about, right. I mean, it builds on the relationship, the on-screen chemistry and relationship they built in those other films. That's the whole thing at the center of Logan is just fathers and sons and, you know, mm-hmm. daughters and, you know, all these, re- these emotional family re- 
relationships, found yeah. family relationships. I would say that if you had if you had recast both of those characters for this movie, it would have been a horrible failure. Oh, would have been awful. They would never drink. I don't think they would drink. Even dream though them. the film itself was made well, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wouldn't have had that emotional punch at all. No you way. Know? So, so, yeah, I mean. You needed those performances. Mm-hmm. You needed that those versions of, Absolutely. of Wolverine and, and Xavier, you know. It was good. It was good. It, 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 it's, it's too bad that he poops a little on the fans, I think. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Mangold, <laughs> if you're listening, on fans. <laughs> Me too. Make identity too. That's what the fans want. <laughs> so, speaking of pooping on fans, uh, yay! Our hey. next topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, who wants to intro this? Because I can't talk about uh, it yet. I'm I wanna, laughing. I want to talk about how I saw it. So, as as you may or may not know, we are the flagship show of the Giant Size Team Up Network, which means we got a lot of awesome, great shit. Don't. Air bunnies, me. <laughs> you're, you're, you would be fired if I could fire you. Your contract says I can't fire you. So, hey. uh, but uh, uh, we have other great, amazing shows on the network, and Toy Power is one of them. And they are huge fans of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. And so in their office chat, I can't remember if it's in the host group or in their office chat. This singular picture gets thrown up by I think Wisdom throws it up to troll a little bit because like. Hey guys, this is the new art. What do you think? And the internet explodes, right? You know, that's how I see it. And even even Joe Art, who is loving of everything, he's our in-house Mormon, and he does Pokemon. <laughs> and he's like, I showed this to my wife. She goes, Is that a prank? Is that a joke? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe what he said is she said, Is that fan art? Yeah, is that fan art? <laughs> oh. <laughs> So there's a lot of negativity going around with this new art. Casey, yeah. you're our in-house artist, man. What is your take on the new Turtles? Well, I don't think it's bad art in and of itself, but I no. do think it's ill-fit for the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, well, if you've got more thoughts, Casey, go ahead. But I mean, I, We're going to hit all the points, but it, say what you got to say now before I get it. Well, okay, so... I'm I'm an OG TMNT fan. All right, I was oh, born in '84. I I watched the original cartoon as you know what I mean, a little kid at that perfect toy buying age. I grew up with them. They were a huge part of my identity as a kid. You should not try to rebrand a legacy franchise like this because you you're trying to play off the nostalgia, right? You're trying to get us yeah. to care us as adults and to get our kids or you know our our nephews and nieces and all those that's the thing i've always wondered about the ninja turtles if you're not a fan of it who makes you a fan like do you know anybody who just kind of walks into being a ninja turtles fan that isn't turned on to it by somebody else (laughs) no now now it's at least two generations worth of people people because it's really absurd too right like the the whole premise and everything the design now i discovered it back when saturday morning cartoons was actually a thing well, the right. show would have been what eighty three. Yeah, I was born in seventy seven, so I, I hit it as soon as it came on the TV. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I just remember I literally grew up with it. Like the the first run of action figures, I ended up with all of them because my sister was crazy and tracked them all down for me. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, those characters, like the team composition of the four, you know, brothers, their personalities, all of that stuff is like through all the iterations of TMNT, those things have been set in stone. Consistent, yeah. Consistent, because that's what people gravitate to. They, they know the dynamics. And you can explore different 
stories within those dynamics but what they're doing here they're not just changing the art because the art is a crazy new direction they have restructured the team where Raphael is now oh well the first big thing is they're not all the same size and shape this is what i was going to get into yeah different turtles they're different sizes and shapes and they're now the because of that because raf is the biggest he's the new leader so he's going to be the like the bold angsty leader i guess leonardo is not the leader you know the noble leader type anymore uh donatello is largely unchanged (laughs) he's still the they turned him into a hovercraft what are you talking about (laughs) they changed all their weapons (laughs) Uh, except I, I for think, Donatello's. I think they made them. I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny bit more awkward. Is that I am uh, a good friend of mine is Andy Suriano, who is the EP of this new journal. I okay. So I'm going to. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have no stake in the game whatsoever. Um, but I will tell you, um, he is, you know, Andy, you'll have known his work from Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. from the clone wars he did character designs for that for powerpuff girls so he's a he's a oh so he's close to the whole tartakovsky mccracken he is, those guys sure. as a matter of fact he's was at, been at cartoon network for for a long long time um that's where he was when i first when i first uh yeah. got to know andy well this has got this is viacom right this is i think he's moved on from there since okay. then yeah, yeah but, the I mean, turtles is plastic man now, so. and he's done a lot of like so he's a he's a he is a lover of this stuff i guarantee it um, mm-hmm. i have, have not spoken with him but i read a little bit in anticipation of this interview that i'm not a teenage i can't speak on it i don't have emotional feelings about about them they never were something that i was totally into but it is brings up the great point of like what is the right of some new inheritor of some legacy, um, you know, piece of IP to, uh, you know, uh, uh, live up to that. You know, how much do they owe you, the fans, and how much do they get to innovate on their own and, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So I think that's the big question there. I mean, I, I think the art is great. I saw it. I mean, it's it's very Andy, you know. I mean, if you liked his stuff, his you know, stuff like Samurai Jack and all that, you can see it. It's of a piece for everything that he's done, sure. you know, so, well, but yeah, um, they did the alter those characters. Yeah. That, that does beg the question as the, as he does the character design, is he handed something by a, let's just say producer that says, this is what we're doing. We're making Raft the leader. So making big, we're making this. No, I guarantee How's he do it. I, I, I think in that world, he probably came and pitched this. Okay. So, so I know that he did, you know, he, that world is very much like, you know, he might not have had the rights to that IP, but maybe he heard they, maybe there, someone was talking about, or they were taking pitches for a new take. And he throws his hat in the ring. Yeah. That's what happens. Your agent calls you and says, do you want to get involved in this? You know, and you come up with a take, you go and have a meeting usually, and then they like you, or they may already know you from something. And they say, go off and you go, you kind of come up with a take and, you know, there's, it's what we call a bake off <laughs> in the biz. You know, everyone brings a take and then they buy the pie they like best. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were involved in, in this, you know, making this decision all up and down the line. Um, and if he, he could have been all him or it could have been influences from above, you know, but um, they probably wanted it to be more diverse, you know, feeling. I, I imagine that was a thing. So they've made them all different mm-hmm. species of turtles now. Yeah. So the, the, the reason that 
uh, what's the tech one's name? Donatello. Um, Donatello. Donatello. He's a soft shell turtle, right? So he mm-hmm. doesn't have armor. So they gave him this armor around him. So it's all grounded somehow. But yeah, I don't so, see, I, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. If you're a fan of it, you might go, I don't want that. <laughs> well, no, and so, yeah, as a fan of it, as somebody who grew up with it, it's not, yeah. I, I actually like the idea of doing the different turtle like types and shapes and everything. Yeah. yeah. That, that part is cool to me. That's also and, not totally new. They were different shades in the 2003 animated sure. series. And then in yep. the movies, they had pretty different like body type right is that right you're okay. um, i mean i don't you're listen i don't yeah. care much for the live action movies but the designs <laughs> of the turtles were pretty neat i have yes. to at least give them that oh right. i'm a huge filthy casual people hate me fan of the turtles movie i, I have all the live because you movies. love michael <laughs> bay. oh michael bay. Bay. michael bay i got the michael bay Come on. <laughs> I Come love on. the ones where oh, they to touch my rock bottom podcasting. <laughs> got some Michael Bay inspired vinegar stroke going on. Wow, before Michael Bay. I'm talking about the stuff with the Corey Hayne or the Corey Feldman or whoever voiced. Oh, dude. The, yeah. The, the, the classic live action movies. Like yeah. they're, they don't hold up, but it doesn't no. matter. I mean, they were the feudal freaking China. And I still love the crap out of that film. I mean, no, I, I, but I mean, you, you love, you love it, it. It's a bummer that they've made. You, the thing look weird you know mm-hmm. and maybe they're what they're saying i think sometimes when they do this i, I don't know this is true i'm not I, I i am guessing but i think sometimes what they're doing is they're like i don't care if a 40 year old man who used to like the turtles likes the new art or not mm-hmm. i only want brand new actual children to watch this sure. you know and I think it's a someday, sometimes that's what they're thinking is like, we'll get grief from adults who love this stuff. Uh, yeah, but it's we'll not for them anymore. Mortgages. Well, but then that, that begs yeah. the question, why, why are you taking the known property to do that then? Because in theory, you're trying to flex the power of that franchise, right? You're trying to... Absolutely. When you take a classic franchise, you're trying to grab the people who know it and are familiar with it and pull them in so that they pull other people in. So and in you th- are, and they do. And that's what those people will bring their children to see yeah. it. You know, I mean, whether they totally approve of it or not, it's the Star Wars is doing the exact same mm-hmm. thing. You know, is that, is that half of the, the anger about Star Wars comes from adults you know, uh, most of it and not really from kids who are being in, introduced to star Wars now, yeah. you know, my, like, I don't, I'm not a fan of the prequels, but my, I own them all, you know, yeah. cause I have a godson and I'm a nerd and, you know, we, we, we will watch them when he comes over for babysitting and, you know, he has every single movie up there on the screen to choose from like, which one do you want? And he almost always picks one of the, pre- <laughs> the prequels, yeah. you know, he loves Anakin. He loves the prequels. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he loves that world. Those are his he, he he really loves them and i i couldn't i can't stand i mean, to watch them like they're unwatchable to me almost <laughs> you know they really are uh, um so i think sometimes that's what's going on and sure. i think not every one of them is done very well you know mm-hmm. uh, my friend also wrote you know a little movie called the most recent ghostbusters film <laughs> my friend katie dippold and um you know i like i it. i you know, but I have to agree. I don't think it was, it didn't work. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, yeah. I wasn't all the, all the hate that came out beforehand about was it unfounded, was unfounded, but unfounded, literally unfounded since yeah. they had not seen it. Yep. Um, 
you know, but there's your, there's the internet. But, but I understand a lot of the sort of, you know, not, not misogynistic reasons, but the reasons just as a comedy that they didn't think it worked and they changed things they didn't need. They made right. a choice. They should have just made it a legacy movie. If they, they should have made it a if legacy. It, if it was a passing of the torch, I would have had no issues with it. But they exactly. just well, I mean, from scratch. You speak for a lot of people, and I think that was a mistake on their part. I'm not sure that yeah. was Katie's out there getting a job, and they say to her, "We we don't want a legacy movie. We want to reinvent right. this this world." That's what they've decided in at the studio with people who own it, and um, yeah. you know, writers come and pitch on the job. You know, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, let's think, let's let's not do a legacy movie, but let's have three quarters of the guest <laughs> cameo. Yeah, and a it's Harold Ramis bus for good measure. Well, I was, I was going to say they couldn't exactly get the entire team back together. <laughs> Listen, no. holograms uh, are a crazy fucking thing these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. You touch on something interesting there, though, with the Ghostbusters movie, because that was another example of taking a legacy franchise and trying to, like, reinvent it, and that fell on its face. So I'm I'm starting to feel like taking a legacy franchise is a bit of a gamble, because if you're too much like the source material, but not enough, you're going to fall on your face, and if you're too far outside of it, you're going to fall on your face. (laughs) <laughs> I, when it comes specifically to the turtles, as far as I understand, Nickelodeon still owns the turtles. And here's where they mm-hmm. don't take a chance. It's parents put their kids in front of the TV. Now, I'm a cord cutter, so we have Netflix, so my kids don't get a ton of Nickelodeon, but they can get the Disney apps. They can get sure. the other stuff. And, I mean, I, I make them – I try to push them in different ways. Like, my youngest son watches CW Flash. He, he loves it. I can't get him to watch any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, anything. He'll watch too much. <laughs> but you know, a lot of parents will just turn on the TV because they have cable, sit their kid down, and this new Turtles will come on, and the kids yeah. will watch it, and then they'll see this toys in the store, and they'll want to buy it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, ultimately, when it comes down to it, you know you can do that. The, damn the nerds, because the kids will get their parents to spend the money. And the IP isn't just the art, you know, the IP isn't just the look of it. It isn't just the design. Um, It's, it's a sort of a story of this team. It's the, you know, I know we're talking about an absurd thing about mutant turtles. I -hmm. guess who are trained ninjas, but you know, uh, but it's (laughs) sort of emotional, you know, all the emotional core of the story that works and it's worked over time. You know, those characters work, the relationships work, you know, and altering them a little bit, um, probably for marketing reasons, um, I don't think affects the bottom line for them. They don't care at the end of the day what we think. They really don't. And, you know, and that's the right. sad part in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I feel this way about many, many things that they reboot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I've, I've rebooted, you know. I, I had a show on ABC, very short-lived. It was Uncle Buck with Mike Epps a couple yeah. of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on the, on the feature film, you know, except with a full, you know, a fully black cast and reimagined it as a television show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a challenge to try and know what you owe and what you should reinvent. Right. You know, I, 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 that's a hard job, you know. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. As a fan, I can see it being a hard job. And, and it's sometimes you want desperately for a project like this to succeed. You know, you see something new coming out and you're like, I, as a fan of the franchise, I want this to do well. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't always work out. So no, I, I definitely hear that. You, and sometimes, it, sometimes a franchise, like I felt like with uncle buck, it's the spirit of the story. Not necessarily mm-hmm. like result about was John Candy, white yeah. family. Da-da. Well, this is Mike Alps, black family, different scenarios, but the heart of it was 
the, the same. The, the deadbeat, yeah, the deadbeat uncle who's making right, take, helping out. You know, Correct. but sometimes like with the Ghostbusters or, or maybe with maybe with the Turtles, we haven't seen what they've done. We've only seen the art, but maybe with the Turtles, maybe we'll find out the franchise is not the heart of it. It's more than that. More, maybe maybe it'll be successful. And that'd be awesome for him. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe it'll flop and the fans will and the fans will go, nope, this is what we want. I, I it'll be know. interesting to see because, you know, to your point, Charles, very, and I'll say this very openly, you know, Uncle Buck, the premise you describe, which is the ne'er-do-well uncle who, who, who t- gets the care of these children, and um, you know is, is teaching them, you know, in a in a terrible way how to uh, how to do how to live and how to be, you know, giving them sort of uh, wanky lessons on that. That doesn't have to be Uncle Buck. I mean, at the end of the day, you could have come and pitched that show and have a different title, different scenario. In Mm -hmm. some ways, that show would have been better had it not had Uncle Buck attached to it. Sure. You know, because you're compared to the other work in a way that is not fair to either of them. And, you know, I I just think it's the, the dumb thing is them going back and mining all this old IP constantly and not innovating new things. They don't know how to launch anything anymore. That is their biggest problem in studios and networks. They have no idea how to launch original content. You know? Yeah. You would think that at they this don't. point we can look at the established IPs that are doing well and kind of like extrapolate what worked, you know, what, what made those things work really well. And it just doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know if it's just because the production companies are so risk averse that they're not willing to make the investment or oh, if they, the creative isn't there. I mean, then, well, then you come down to the HBOs and Netflixes who are succeeding like gangbusters by getting mm-hmm. books and doing yeah. alter carbon. I've seen the first episode, you, Brian, you said you burned through the whole thing. The first episode, yeah. which I thought was a movie, by the way, and I saw episode one of that. Holy Beautiful. crap. It's amazing. It's so it's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Game of Thrones on HBO, gangbusters because you know, it's based on a, a, a fresh new property, a property that only a fresh few people new. know. I about. mean, come on. Well, it started in the '90s, as opposed to what we're talking about with the franchises where it's been done <laughs> well, fifteen times, and now we're. But as cool as and as big as those books were, you know the 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 George R. R. Martin books, which we all read and which, but we're all in the world of the universe of people that will buy those books. You know, there's, there is a huge, huge universe of people who'd never heard of George R. R. Martin or any of that stuff. And I don't think that anybody, even HBO thought that that thing was going to work as well as it did, but oh, they yeah. put money into it. I mean, it was a $10 million budget for that pilot, mm-hmm. you know, which is an extraordinary amount of money for an hour of television. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, really is. Now, the pilot and season or the pilot? The pilot. Wow. The pilot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the sort of running budget for that show is between like 10 and 8 yeah. million. And, wow. and the, the, the early budget, like, uh, and I don't know exact numbers here, but I know with Game of Thrones and Walking Dead both, the first two seasons for both of those shows had budgets that are much smaller than what they eventually grew to be right. because they were, they were specs. You know what I mean? They were, it was all yeah. speculative at that point. Um, but it, it's notable in the narrative in Game of Thrones because they avoided covering some of the battles in the books. They, they showed like the lead up to it dialogue wise and they showed the aftermath dialogue wise. Well, show that's what you can. You can't do yeah. it all. He right. gets to do it every once in the book. He could take yep. you on a 20 page <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, epic journey. Um, but, you know, when you've got when when you're sitting in a production meeting and there's someone going, hi, uh, this is Carol from art uh, d- design here you need us to build a hundred 
uh, robotic arms. Is that right? And this is yeah. Tuesday. We shoot this Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can't do that. Could it be five of them? Could it be uh, one or even? And this is a pitch. No robotic arms. Listen, Carol. That's you're ruining my artistic vision and not my robotic this arms. This is what you go through with Carol. Carol. Carol, have you not even read these books? Come on. I have not. I don't have time to read because I'm making so many robotic we, arms. We asked for 100, <laughs> but there's a 1,000 on those pages. Read the I understand. Pages. I understand you're a very passionate young man. You could probably get to the gym. Um, you know. <laughs> but that's how I feel a lot of times in these production meetings where they're like, Okay, maybe you need to read less and think more. But they launched those shows, I think. Mm -hmm. Both of the shows you mentioned were beautifully launched. Like they mm -hmm. knew how, who was going to come watch the show. They knew what they needed in order to make it worth it for them. And they went out and they did that. But I think most networks are having a really hard time on getting shows off the ground that are original. Mm -hmm. And they need that boost of the familiarity of the original ip in order to get mm -hmm. eyeballs to show up on day one at least and yeah. sample the show you know it so. occurs to me that in a you know we talked about stranger things earlier that's an original ip but that's an original ip that kind of uses 80s nostalgia like a lot of pop culture kind references well but, but, but as a regular what, what i'm saying hour. is they kind of uses remember it as rubik's cubes remember <laughs> these pants remember this song yeah Remember this shot from a movie? Look, we a did it here for you. Their DVD <laughs> box is made up to look like a VHS. Yeah, VHS. Right. <laughs> well, well, what, what I'm getting at, though, is like they, they're a new IP that got to use all of this existing stuff as a, as a bit of a crutch, as an That's anchor yeah. for people, yeah. without actually being yes. part of those, you know, whatever universes or yes. any of that stuff, which is really notable. Cause it's like, it's hard out there for a pimp. You know what I mean? It's hard it to, it's hard. I to love get. those guys. Cause they weren't even born. Like, yeah. they, like <laughs> that's they were, the part that I laugh about. Cause they're younger than I am. And I was like, yeah, I remember eighties, you know, like I remember watching the Goonies as a little kid and stuff. And then I'm like, you guys weren't even alive for that. No, you weren't alive for it. Um, that's all the reference. I'm probably the oldest person on this podcast right now at 46 but those were literally like it's 85 84 85 mm -hmm. like that's that is like uh you know 13 14 year old brian you know <laughs> so it's like this is literally my stuff and i'm like these guys have nailed it who are yeah. they i mean they've really nice. done it they've got all the references brian, the and then i go and i'm player? like what the shit they're <laughs> They're babies. They're children. Yeah. How did they? I guess they just know how to Google. I don't know how they do it all. <laughs> They're amazing Googlers. I was kind of hoping to see an interview from them where it's like, so Eleven, where'd you get your inspiration? Your, your inspiration for like a psychic child, Carrie? Right? It's like, no, we saw Matilda in theaters when we were like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Wait, no, the Matilda reboot is oh. what they would have seen. <laughs> yeah, they would have seen Matilda because that was still early nineties. Uh, that, that that's a it's a genius attack yeah. at the nostalgia porn yeah. that you know that's yeah. really what stranger things is in a way and and there's a lot of shows like that i mean that's there's that's a thing you know we like to look at us we've got <laughs> we have yeah. shelves of yeah. nostalgia behind us they know we love it and mm -hmm. uh they know to feed i just felt it. like pointing that out though because like that's a show that a new ip that has succeeded recently but it yes. definitely cheated as far as that goes, you know what I mean? And not, yeah. not to any fault on them. I'm just saying though, for, or you know, it really intense untapped gold mine that people. Well, no, but what, I, what I'm saying is what, what Brian was saying is that it's really difficult for something new to, to 
set its hooks into the public and actually build a new franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that was something that did it, but it did it by kind of, but not everyone can do that. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's right. one way. This is the great thing. And, and the wrong, they'll learn the wrong lesson. I guarantee it, Paul. The lesson they'll learn is we need things that do exactly what stranger things does. I want to show that references the 1970s instead, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and they'll go do that and it'll, it'll, it'll shit the bed because what they, you know, they, they haven't learned the real lesson of those, those guys, which is they found a way to, get an audience to come see their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they probably love all that stuff. It was, it's, you know, it's like a ready player one, but, a <laughs> but, a but, a you know, <laughs> paranormal adventure. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they found a way to, to get in and that's what everyone needs to do. Finding an audience is just, is very, very difficult. in, yeah. in this very noisy universe that we live in. I've been trying to figure out how uh, we can we can work on a pilot for a podcasting up and coming podcasting company. That's God damn it! I tried it. I sold one to NBC <laughs> two years ago called the Laruda Triangle, and it was a a a podcast. It was a it was a single camera about three women, the mother and two daughters who hate each other, all of them, but they end up. One of them's doing, she's sort of podcasting and ends up doing a podcast with her mother and sister. So the whole thing was centered around the podcast, but it was really just like family comedy, sure. you know, meet nasty women to each other kind of thing. It's just, it's tough. I mean, Zach Braff has one. Now, yeah. 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 I was just going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've know. been throwing random ideas at Brian for like last four or five <laughs> years, ever since I really met you. Probably. Guy. Every, every year for Dragon Ball, like, Brian, here's a new spin on the, the podcast idea. You're like, yeah, yeah, come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I Look, I love it. I mean, uh, we're doing um, – well, we're doing a podcast about podcasting, but a fiction podcast called uh, Welcome to the Odd Apocalypse that Audrey and I are doing for for a geek girl authority. Mm-hmm. That is a – I'm scripting it. I'm writing it. It's, you know, an episodic eight-episode thing. But it's about this married couple in Valley Village, California, who survive a apocalypse, and she just continues podcasting, <laughs> um, even though no one's listening. And but she's recording all of her adventures, so it's she's sort of podcasting with her husband as a, a, a host. So there's that little wraparound right. kind of conceit, and then we go into a story, of, you know, that has happened to them that week. That's all been recorded on her Zoom. So, you know, I mean. I don't know. Podcasting is getting bigger and bigger and huger and huger. We just think, um, you know, it, that maybe the best audience for a podcasting uh, show is podcasting audiences. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's penetrated. Uh, it's a sort of static profession, is the thing. You know. Yeah, we we, we yeah. need to have, but we need to have something ready for when Alex Inc. defies all critics' worries and blows up, and then now ABC wants one and Fox and Netflix. So. Oh my God! Did you see the cut down for it though? Have you? No. Nah. I, I, I well, I shouldn't say. I, I I worked with Zach Braff. I wrote for Scrubs. Uh, I I know his talents very well. Oh well, thank you. Um, but that show, I it gave me the I can't I can't I won't be attending. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> my officers will be attending, but not. I, I politely declined. So. I I decline. No, thank you. All right. Well, let's see if you'll attend to these others because we need to. We got we got some yeah. cool stuff here. Conan at Amazon Prime 
Are we are we talking about Conan the Barbarian? Or are we talking about Conan the Night Talk Show host? What are we talking about? I'm happy to talk about it. It's actually either. a best of both worlds, if you can believe it. They're, so they're sending the talk show host back in time to the high board. No, uh, it's classic, classic <laughs> Conan. Okay, um, your barbarian Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is best in life? Kind of crush your enemies. Yeah. See them driven before you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes. That's exactly yes. it. Um, but. I this came across my highly professional desk, um, <laughs> and listen, I'm I love Conan the Barbarian. I I'll watch anything. I've been reading his comic books for the equivalent of like forty years. Okay, <laughs> listen, Marvel had it for a long time. Dark Horse, Dynamite, they're doing crossovers all the time. His books have always been like a really nice, consistent level of good, and especially I'm getting there's a big butt coming up. Yeah, there. here's the butt. <laughs> So I'm reading this and the way that it's presented, it's, it's got Game of Thrones guys and, uh, you know, Fargo guys and Handmaid's Tale guys and, you know, people yeah. behind it. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of good stuff that I'm already watching and I'm already into. But the first line is, it retells the classic character story via return to his literary origins. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe somebody has actually read these books. And it goes, driven out of his tribal homelands, Conan wanders the mysterious and treacherous world of civilization where he searches for purpose in a place that rejects him as a mindless savage. That couldn't be further from anything Conan's about. Like, yes, right. he's a wanderer searching for, you know, adventure and stuff, but he's far from a mindless barbarian, you know. No, he's, no, no. He's cynical. He's gravelly. He has a sense of humor. I mean, he has desires and wants. He's just not all about violence. I mean, he's a warrior, first and foremost, and he follows the doctrine of Krom, who is a god who lives on this dark gray mountain who wants nothing but, you know, the finest of warriors, you know, to, to bestow a boon upon, you know. So... so yeah, Go ahead, Brian. I'm I'm sorry. Who is this for? The who's making this, or what is this? Amazon. It's a it's a new Amazon show Prime. that's being dredged up for Amazon Prime. I imagine much in the way that Jeez. the Tick is currently coming out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's looking like uh, Colony co-creator Ryan Condal, G Game of Thrones director Miguel Sapochnik, uh, Fargo, and The Handmaid's Tale executive producer Warren Littlefield. So none of that matters. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just uh, the people are behind it. But uh, <laughs> Casey, we hit a hard note with there with Brian. No, I mean, but all, I love how they always are naming the credits of the people who, yeah. all the people you just mentioned, none of them have ever written anything except maybe. <laughs> all right, so the people who have thrown the right <laughs> amount know. of money at the right project. Then. Yeah, that's it. People lucky enough to be attached to these okay. projects. Yeah. Lucky enough to be working at NBC when neat things happen. All right, happen. so, well, it's, it's <laughs> coming from, from coffers that have made recently good decisions, so. No, no. It's I guess I have yeah. somewhat less faith now. Thanks, Brian. Okay. You're welcome. Um, look, Conan's been in a weird place for a couple of years. There hasn't really been anything like done on screen or anywhere else that's really enticed or drawn people in. Like the Conan movie in what 2011 with Aquaman, not yeah. great. Yeah. That that not Red great. Sonya movie that I'm still not confident actually exists or has ever actually come out with Rose McGowan. Still not sure about yeah. that one. Who cares? You know. Conan Exiles, a mostly unfinished, unpolished video game. Like, all right, fine. But yeah, they've never really re repeated the Milius, uh, you know, original Conan. Yeah. Game. I don't know that we ever can necessarily, unless it's just, it's also of a time. 
I always no, think sir. Conan... It's of an age undreamed of. <laughs> an age undreamed of. <laughs> I love Conan. I will tune into it just as you will, friend. Just as you will. We'll both be there. Whatever we say today on this podcast, don't come on. We'll be tuning into it by. I guess tuning in on an old radio. But but I'm sure it will be fairly terrible. I think it'll be hard. It's hard to get the it's hard to get the kind of it's almost camp in those in that original mm-hmm. I saw that movie in the theater, by the way, as a child. I snuck into it twice um, to, to see it because and it blew my mind. I loved it so much, but it is really an 80s picture. I think the biggest problem is that you will Mako passed on, so you won't have that crazy wizard to do the intros. Great, great so, voice. Yeah, so you lose everything. I mean, that's like you can lose Arnie. Who cares? You can't lose. <laughs> it's, it's all women that look like they're in a Scorpions video. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's if you're gonna do it, like go but, for that, Conan. You, right now, you just made me like have a a light bulb pop up above my head. What if they played into that? What if they're like, we're going to make Conan, but we're going to make eighties Conan. We're going to, yeah, it's like Garth Marenghi. It's like, we found this. <laughs> this is a series that was convinced. made, you know, we found this Conan television series. It was never released, oh, um, you know, and oh, here it is. We're going to show it to you. And uh, it's just episodes from a, like a fake 1987 Conan yes. series. You know, but this that big but muscly like guy HBO steps out of a Dodge Challenger. It's like, hey, who's <laughs> yeah. the new kid in high school? My name's Conan. Conan. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're not doing this. <laughs> they give it the Riverdale no. treatment. Oh, I'm so no. Didn't they already try that with that horrible uh, mixed animated and live action Zorn thing that happened? Yeah, they did. And they also, they have one, I think, called um, Comrade inspect detective comrade detective i think it's on amazon prime mm. or it's an original as well that's sort of a a found footage like um you bulgarian detective show or something <laughs> like that that's you know <laughs> i don't know man i would just love i just you know that's the vibe and i think they're always going to make it too it's hard to have that camp involved anymore everything yeah. There's it's been so a couple serious in the in the barbarian just territory. Make it like just high fantasy and just make it work. Maybe we got another Hellboy. It's, I agree. The, well, the problem though, someone becomes, needs to do that. The the level of of absurdity becomes an issue. You know, um, will people tolerate it these days? Yeah, Everyone's well, so earnest now. So if you look at something like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones early on in the in the show wasn't necessarily high fantasy it was high period you know like it it felt like historical drama and i think that's what drew people in and then as time yep. went on it became incre- like the sorcery and the dragons and all that stuff became an increasingly bigger part of the, the narrative but it wasn't you know it, the first season didn't bombard yeah. you with flame breathing dragons right away or not at all like it was basically the borgias or mm-hmm. you know um um any of these like period dramas that were all over cable where it's like yeah it's very very about uh the period and there's also a lot of nudity and yeah, any any scene that yeah. can take place in a brothel should take yeah. place in a brothel <laughs> you know, I mean, that was really how they got people in on that show. And then they sort of bait and switch them. And to your point, we're like, now they're like regular 
dude bros at the office going, those fucking dragons are rad, man. You yeah. know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not just a bunch of guys with headphones on a, on a video podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they do that. I, I don't know. Conan, I think anybody, bros should be able to get into Conan. Mm-hmm. Get a big dude. You got to have an Arnold, though. Travis Jones could play Conan. <laughs> You got to have somebody who's maybe built like an Arnie or a Sly Stallone that has the the level of personality that can carry it too. Well, the the original film Arnie had no like the opening. I love on the cut scenes like the uh, director's cut of the the Conan um, on the DVD. They show the day one shooting. If you recall, have you seen this at all? Please uh, I don't, I don't do yourself know a favor. Give this a purchase. Uh, it's well worth. First of all, the movie's great, rewatchable many many oh, times. Yeah. Um, but the director's cut is great because there's a lot of edited scenes and they they have the wide shot first day of shooting shot one wide shot of Conan running from a pack of wild dogs. Mm-hmm. Remember it from the film and he's it's Arnie mic'd up and in a bunch of fur, like a big giant fur cloak and mm-hmm. he's running as fast as he can from these dogs and it's just the establishing shot. So it's just a static, wide shot from a quite a distance of showing him run and you could just hear him in the mic going oh no oh no because the dogs get a hold of his cloak and they're pulling him down behind this bunch of rocks and he's like oh no oh god damn it oh god damn it because they, they they had no budget and so they just got a bunch of untrained dogs from like farms around where they were shooting in spain so it's just a bunch of like farm dogs they're like go chase that bodybuilder they're like okay why does he smell like pastrami yeah if if i recall correctly he got injured when he was climbing up on the rock and they were jumping after him so yeah yeah the behind the scenes stuff pull his ass down Yep. But like, there's something about that that just it just <laughs> a whole film. There's something so kind of silly. I'm about like kind it. of dreaming now that they have a scene just like that with Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman Returns. Because <laughs> they put the inside her costume so all the cats would swarm around her. I can just imagine where she's got to like flick him off or something between takes. It can't be terrific. No. Um, working with animals no. is the worst. I can't um, imagine that. I think it was Arnold's first. Like his really his first starring role ever, mm-hmm. and he has very little dialogue in yeah. the film. Well, he at the time he barely spoke English. Yeah. Is my barely spoke English. Yeah. That's what we need. I would watch that show. Yeah, get the mountain yeah. to do it. Oh my god, they yeah. should get the mountain yeah. to do it. Uh, there's a great Netflix special about bodybuilding that he's in about the new mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. It's amazing. The mountain or Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Mountain. Well, oh, George Stinger's wow. in it too, but it's, he's it's, a big like strength guy, right? Yeah. Like he's like the strongest. Yeah. He did that like Viking log thing that's like fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah. It's, it's well worth a watch. Y'all should give it. I'll a check it out. Well, I love that. Now, Brian, I had one more thing before, before we right. switch. Do you, Brian? Do you think that something like the Star Spartacus show or like uh, Xena Warrior Princess or Hercules: The Legendary Journeys are those shows that have, could have only really worked in the time in which they were made? Or are they themselves kind of timeless? So there could be a Conan show sort of of that quality. You know, I, I, I think that's an interesting question. That I, think, I think of Xena and how that happened because, again, you know, I remember watching it very, very um, – my wife loved Xena and still loves Xena so to this day. And um, I, our daughter is like one of her – we had this great picture of her 
where, that where when she was two years old or maybe maybe she was three and audrey made her a full xena warrior princess costume and <laughs> you know she's with her little friend who's dressed as a bobby Soxer, holding a blade <laughs> up to her neck. Like, that's my daughter yeah she had the she had the what's what's her little throwing weapon what's the it chakram, called the, the, the chakra she had that on her belt it was amazing but like those shows they have a tongue-in-cheek sam raimi kind mm -hmm. of vibe i think those things could live again i think i think people are just being dumb like they're just being literalist and they're just they're following everybody else they just they often don't realize what we love about the things that we love you know i really think they miss it they need somebody working for them who can go no 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 none of you get this <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like they don't love conan because it's just like game of thrones they yeah. love conan because it has this energy it has this vibe like yeah. let me show you these four or five scenes this is why we this show endures for people why this film endures for people you know it isn't it isn't just the obvious it isn't the swords and the all of mm -hmm. that stuff. It's a vibe and energy that the fans get behind that sometimes I don't think the people who own this content down the line really understand or even bother right. to understand. You know, but I, I think actually, Casey, that I think someone should do Xena again. They should do it again. I think she'd be huge yeah. right now. You know, and I think there could be a cool Conan show that had that energy, that tongue in cheek. It doesn't have to be so tongue in cheek as those two shows, but just that feeling of like sexy, Barbarian Frazetta fun, yeah. you know. Oh, rep my it. boy Frank. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, I think you, you <laughs> basically have to uh, lean into the absurdity of it, you know, much you like do. those original films did, you know. Yeah. Um, I, it, you're right. You 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 distilled what's great about them. Like for example, like just l watching Arnold be like, chasing me. He like. That's and and when chicks walk up to him, when the chicks walk up to him and are into him. There's not one moment of surprise in Arnold's face. That, <laughs> like, there's not any. He might be like, you might be like, oh wow, I didn't know I was gonna have sex right now. He might have that amount, of, but he's always ready to have sex with someone, uh -huh. and he always assumes that if there is sex to be had, he'll be involved in it. You know, there's. I love like you've got to have an actor like that. You know, really, the Momoa could have really worked, but he's not. Honestly, he's just not as. He's just not as interesting as uh, yeah, as Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he could oh. have been if he had been able it's to play like Conan like he plays Aquaman. Yeah, where he's you a li yeah. there's a little he more comedy Aquaman. and yeah, he's yeah. got a little more sass to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean you know just something you just need a big doofy dude because he's a really likable guy. I've seen some oh. uh, some videos like outside of his you know actual work where he's oh, yeah. very likable very charismatic i mean we've it, liked him since atlantis and started yes. terrific on that show yeah. you know um he's he's an interesting dude the rock is amazing in that mm -hmm. way you know but he's almost too smart like yeah the, the rock, rock is so good. like verbally you know um dexterous you know like he's a really yeah. a good actor you know for especially in the kind of movies that he does you know you you sort of just need, you it's hard to recreate some of the magic of like having arnold arrive at milius you know you gotta have that director john milius who's a you know a director who for sure was armed the entire time and for sure had a gun on set that everyone <laughs> saw um all the time you know this is the guy who wrote you know the the uh, um uh, what's the scene from jaws the uh, uss um 
the one that that uh, he talks about on the boat where he talks about all the men going into the water in World oh, War II. Oh, right, yeah. He wrote that. He wrote that and st- dictated it to Spielberg over the telephone. They all went to to college together at USC. You know, he wrote Apocalypse Now. I mean, that's John Milius. You need. He also wrote, you know, oh, Dirty uh, Harry uh, and Red Dawn. Red Dawn, yeah, man. Red Dawn's his oh. other directorial uh, masterpiece. We're gonna get right back to Logan with Wolverine. He's a perfect '80s like Reagan era. He, yeah, he wrote a uh, Big Wednesday, a big surfing movie. You know, like it's you got to get like the people that really get it. Like Milius, like really got. He grew up with Frazetta, was a bodybuilder himself. You know, at a certain point in his life, you know, and um, really got Conan and knew what it should be. You know, that's all. Mm-hmm. They just often hand it off to people who are like just jobbing. And not yeah yeah don't love the material that much, man. All this this is some great stuff, Ryan. And, and we're all we we just will talk for days. But you know, people don't want to listen for days, so we're gonna take I'm on it. cocaine. You guys got me at a Are good you? time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick ad break, and we'll be back right after this. And we are back. And Brian, before you got to take off, we want to talk about what you've done. I mean, one of the things that got me excited recently that we want to talk about with you a little bit, the Fox Disney merger. But even before that, you had a great announcement on Facebook where you and your writing <laughs> partner nailed, but not one, but two pilots, right, got picked up. Yeah. Well, we've done that a time or two. Yeah, we just uh... – it would never work with Fox, but we had two with Fox this year. And uh, Charles, when he wanted me to do this, he's like, we want to talk about your projects or something. I'm like, I can, but neither of them are going to pilot. So, uh, you know, we can talk about them, but you'll never see them. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's what happens sometimes. You get, you know, you go in, you pitch a show. One of them is one we pitched and they pay you to write it. That's pilot season. And then another one we were, it was a show they bought on spec called space bound. Um, from a British writer and it was her first, uh, you know, network sale. So they, a lot of times they'll try they'll get folks like showrunners like us to come and supervise that process with them and help them through the pilot process. So, so we took her as far as that uh, would go. And that one didn't end up going as uh, either. I think, although I don't know, it may still be have life somewhere, but um but we're we're waiting to see on that. Now, you, but that's the most recent thing. Can you yeah. tell us the the one that you you sold? I think I saw you. Are you Retraining Day yeah. was a collaboration with Ed Helms, uh, a company Pacific Electric, and um, and Storied Media, who they are the literary agent, represent um, NPR. Um, New York Times, Washington Post, you know, all of these, the Atlantic, stuff like that. And they, all their articles, they represent them for, you know, turn, being turned into television shows or films. So they had an article that Ed wanted to do a show about, I was thinking about doing a show about called Retraining Day, which was an NPR um, Planet Money uh, episode about this you know, program, this government program that retrains like workers who've lost their jobs due to 
like going, having their jobs sent off overseas, you know, basically, or offshore to like China or Mexico or something. And then they'll help them to, you know, get into other careers. But we kind of just use it as a jumping off place and because we were really wanting to, to do something about the culture war, really, you know, about the left versus right kind of red, blue culture war we're all living 24-7 in right now. And so we cracked a show that was an office comedy that took place at a job center which is the place where these kinds of programs are administered. You know, they're, they're basically, if you lose your job, you'd go into a Georgia job center and they'd help you find a new one, you know? Yeah. And um, so it's an office comedy that takes place there where it's in Missouri, basically. So it's like, there's a progressive young, like Asian girl from San Francisco who comes to, she moves to this small town with her husband. That's where he's from and ends up taking a job as the administrator of this, you know, this, this, uh, you know, small town job center. And so it's sort of the goings on of the right versus left, you know, town versus her kind of, it was really kind of meant to just be about like, how can't we all just get along kind of a, and comedy a little bit as opposed to indulging in fighting against each other but they loved it and uh you know but that happens sometimes you know you'll it starts off strong and then during the development process it might lose speed or something else changes or in this case fox merges with disney you know <laughs> in the middle of it all and then it's sort of all all bets are off on the on development at that point and you don't know whether you'll survive that or not so that's, you know, that's kind of what happened a little bit with it, but it would have, it was a fun script and we loved writing about that world. And, um, cause it's such a fresh, you know, like no one wanted to go there, you know, <laughs> I think they're a little scared of it. And I'm like, I kind of loved going there cause my family's all from Trump country and I live here in the bubble in Los Angeles. And, you know, it was fun to sort of like, you know, put those two worlds together mm -hmm. a little bit. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, now we're sitting around. Do <laughs> either one of you yeah. guys have a question for Brian for his career or whatever? When are you going to be back on our show? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be glib or anything, but look, the rest of our our network always says that we like to elevate the conversation. I've never been more elevated than being in the presence of this man. <laughs> uh, I love coming on your show. I would come on the show anytime. This is a blast. Awesome. We'll definitely have you have you back. Yeah, uh, but we don't want you to leave yet. So fuck you. No, Richie. no. I uh, you know I'm happy to answer any questions you have about the filthy money trench that is Hollywood. I'm ready. <laughs> anytime you, I'll give you my take. You know. Yeah. Something. It's, uh no so don't Not throw really. it at me no, just, like I, I, I want to give opportunity to, it, we're running, well that he's running out of time so i want to i didn't know if you know honestly like uh we talked about it earlier like when we were talking about like some of the industry like people yeah. some people in the industry their perceptions and stuff and you really cast a lot of light on like some of the back end stuff that the public doesn't always see and we, we yeah. always, it's always a treat when we have a guest who works in the industry and gets to you know basically share a little bit of that side of stuff with us because i think that we as the general public don't always like understand just how complicated it can be and yeah, how maybe. many people are involved how big the machine really is and uh yeah it's it's i, I think I, it's been a real pleasure having you on man i mean this is thanks been some great conversation i enjoy it very much i mean you know look that world they you know as, as someone who who grew up with this stuff and whether or not you know, comic books had become, 
you know, um, the, the sort of pop culture premium that they have become, I'd still be reading comics. I'd still be reading science fiction. I'd still be reading fantasy. You know, I'd be doing all that stuff because as I have my entire life, as does my writing partner, who is an artist and fantastic illustrator and actually went to, you know, he wanted to be a comics artist. He went to art school, you know, mm-hmm. ended up writing on SNL and mad TV where we met and stuff. So, you know, we, we love this stuff a lot, but you know, as we, we've, I won't name names, but I mean, you know, we'll, our last round we were going around and we met with the producers of a fairly large franchise of popular animated films. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to talk about doing a television series of these, what have previously only been features. And we thought that was a terrific idea. And so we went and had a conversation with them and went to their cool studios and, you know, and in talking to them, there was this feeling of like, wow, these people really don't know what's lovely about the, you know, the, the, the property they have, you know, it's like they, there, it is, it is a, a tough world because it's like the, the bros got a hold of all of our material, like all of our stuff, right. you know, and, uh, and, and, and now they're kind of selling it back to us, you know, yeah. like yeah. that's the sad part, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I always think of Comic-Con, this is, Comic-Con is a perfect example, you know, many years ago, first time I went to Comic-Con, I was singing in a musical parody of the Fellowship of the Ring called Fellowship, um, and that was about a decade ago. Comic-Con was huge then, but not like it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still walk up and buy same-day tickets on the day, you know, right. and stuff. But it was just starting to become, like, you'd start to see popular studios and stuff, like, realizing that Comic-Con was serious. Then, you know, uh, as time has gone on, I feel like it's like we had our little club ca- clubhouse at Comic-Con or DragonCon. Mm-hmm. You know, DragonCon's still pretty safe, but mm-hmm. because it's so impenetrable for the for the the, the you studios know, and studios yeah. and for the industry, they have no idea what to do with DragonCon. I guarantee it. They come there and go, "This is too deep." You know, <laughs> Comic Con, they they sort of own and they can take the train home afterwards, and they don't have to stay if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like we had our own nerd clubhouse, and then all these cool people showed up. And they're like, wow, the cool people are at our party. Oh, all right. Well, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, a little while later, we're outside of the clubhouse looking in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the cool people are in the clubhouse and they're the only ones allowed in and we don't, we're not on the list. And we're all going, well, at least, you know, we're still here, right? I mean, we're still near the party, <laughs> you know? I mean, I feel like that's the general problem is that there are people that, you know, don't have the best interest of this material that we love deeply right. at, at, at the heart. And, and I wish there were more people up through there. I wish they were, I wish they would make it a priority to have somebody in the room who's like, I'm going to tell you why you can't do that with Captain America. I'm going to tell you a dumb, nerdy, long-winded thing that you're not going to like, that's, but that you need to hear mm-hmm. that is the reason that you can't do that and shouldn't do that. You know, right. or you're missing what they love about Conan. You're missing what people love about the turtles, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't really, you haven't thought about it because you haven't lived it. And I think, you know, that is going to continue to be a problem. I don't see that getting <laughs> fixed anytime soon. You know, mm. they're going to keep making our shit and 
sometimes winning and sometimes losing. When are fanboys going to get their times up moment for the executives who don't? <laughs> <laughs> I know us too, man. Yeah. Us as well. Uh, um, oh, you're our champion. Well. You're our. I don't know. I, I don't know when they're going to get it. They don't. They hate us and they love us. You know, they love, they love our money. money. <laughs> yeah. But they uh, and they know we'll come. This is the other sad thing. Two things to think about. They they know that you're going to come because you need to make the scene. So you will you will go see the very skeptical looking Han Solo DC, movie. Han Solo movie or <laughs> DC movie. You know, you will go. They know you're going to go. Even if you go just to complain online afterwards, you're going to go right. and yeah. pay your ticket probably a couple of times because um, it's something to do with your friends. And, you know, they get it. But more than that, they, in other words, they already know they have your money, so fuck it if you don't like it. But more than that, they only care if the Chinese like it. That's really what it is. You know, these films open overseas. They open in Europe and China first, and there's a reason for it. You know, <laughs> these films, they, they make all their money, a huge portion of their money, much more than the American market overseas. And um, so the movies are in some ways being made for an international audience that not only do they not know the deep origins of you know the x-men but they don't speak english so you know mm -hmm. you know what i mean so this is the other thing is that we we sometimes that's good and we just have to just say look it's good that we get these movies and mm -hmm. you know they're not going to always get it right and that's why we continue to read comics and continue to you know um stay you know get get the more niche stuff read sci-fi and all the rest of it you know they're gonna make our movie and probably fuck it up but we always have the original yeah. material you know i mean well yeah anyway that's my that's, that's my rant i love it about it we, we, we want you to keep <laughs> championing our cause in hollywood keep i will I, I write comedy sadly yeah. so i i uh have very little say in this when in this world but um you know, if I'll, if people will watch your podcast, they, I could fix everything. Why don't they just? Know that? I've yeah. got it all sorted out. Yeah. If people would just watch this, like, yeah, we could solve all of the problems. It's I, all solved. I've this said is that it. for for over a decade. <laughs> I'd rock out a podcast. I can fix all the ills, you man. That's, what That's it, man. Uh, so the last thing I want to ask you before you take off is the one thing we always talk about, and we'll get to it later ourselves. What are you watching, reading, and playing right now that's just got you all excited? Right. I am playing through uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Ooh, uh, nice. Wolfenstein, the most recent Wolfenstein. Nice. Um, killing Nazis in a, not in a Nazi future. With BJ, uh, what's the very character? fun? BJ, uh, I'm playing Prey. Still playing right. Prey, which I like a lot. Uh, I have not got the new Battlefront, but I will at some point. Um, watching, we are we loved Altered Carbon. We thought it was really big bold mm -hmm. full-on science fiction in the best possible way um not not uh it didn't dumb it down for the non-sci-fi crowd at all it's you know i won't call it hard science it's not like neil stevenson or something but it's like you know it's pretty complex science fiction um right. so it might be a little bit intimidating for for folks to, you know, that's a little what they did with uh, Game of Thrones for outsiders. We're like, just had to catch up with all the mm -hmm. characters and all the names and the, you know, the families and the kingdoms and all the rest of it. It's a little bit like that. And we love that kind of shit, you know, mm -hmm. that's ter terrific. We loved um, Black Mirror, the, sec the most recent. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. Um, what else are we liking? 
Um, Movie-wise, you know, last great sort of big thing I saw was Star Wars, which I liked very much. We did see Jumanji. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. Not bad, actually. A lot of video no, games. It's cheesy. I, it's fun. It's, it's cheesy, yeah. but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a delight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we you know, I'm watching all anything that's science fiction or fantasy. We watch Britannia as well, which I would highly recommend on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you like Vikings or um, that kind of uh, historical, gnarly, battley, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, kind of uh, fantasy, except it's historical fantasy, um, that's really worth your time as well. You know, that's it, really. Well, that's yeah, awesome. That's man. what I recommend. Go watch it. <laughs> Oh, where can everybody find you on the interwebs that you want to share? You can find me on the Instagram at, I believe I never get these right. It's either Brian D. Bradley or Captain TBD. I think that was Captain uh, TBD. Yeah. And on Twitter, you can find me at Brian D. Yeah. Bradley. I will tweet out uh, to you. Uh, that's it, really. I mean, I'm going to be working on, um, you know, I've got, projects coming up that I'm, we're working on for Geek Girl Authority, so look for that. In spring, we'll be dropping Odd po- Odd-pocalypse. Uh We've got Mark Gagliardi on it and a bunch of other really funny uh, improvisers and uh, comedians. And we might be doing another, look for more from us, uh, more audio fiction. So we're, we're really kind of going for doing these uh, serialized audio fiction things now, doing a series called... Uh, Strange Crime, which is genre noir. They're audio stories, so they're all crime stories, but they're all fantasy, paranormal, nice. science fiction, running through all of them. Something to listen to in your car. Uh, and yeah, I'm really looking, getting into that. That That's stuff. Awesome. I'm really getting into audio fiction now. I'm excited about it. Along with you know what I'll be doing on TV and, and uh, stuff like awesome. that. But, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you again okay. for joining us, and we will absolutely be hitting you up to come back at some point. Thanks, dudes. That was really fun. Yeah. All righty. We'll thank talk you. to you later. Thanks, Brian. Bye. Bye. So big thanks to Brian D. Bradley for sitting in our fourth seat today. We've got a few more things to hit that are going to be awesome, so let's get to them right now. Let's just jump to it, guys. Jessica Jones trailer. Yeah. I have Boo! Never- no, I'm kidding. What? Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, oh, that oh, looks... It looks pretty cool. Um, it's it looks interesting. Uh, it looks like it's going to have a bit of a different pace than the last season had. It looks like it's Winter Soldier on TV. It look, yeah, psychological psychological thriller is what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna find out. It appears we're gonna like delve into her origin, which is cool. Which is neat. How like. They didn't end up doing that in the first season of her, like they had what had yeah. to do with the other characters. So, in a way, the second season's almost going to feel like a first season, which is cool. And we get Hellcat official. Hellcat, yep, yep, yep. Flexing, she even drops the uh, the SK word. Sidekick. 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 Yeah. Uh, uh, Casey, give a quick two minute or less rundown on who Hellcat is for those who don't know. Uh, so, well, in the show, it's it's Patsy Walker, radio talk show host. And longtime childhood friend of Jessica Jones. I thought that was also the comics. Is that not the comics as well? No, in the comics, she actually it's kind of interesting. Um, she's a, a former model because she used to be like headlining those sort of Marvel had their own Millie the Model kind of comic book called 
called Patsy Walker. Um, so it was like a goofy, like teen romance. So it's kind the same name. They just changed the type of character. Right. And they, okay. they sort of, they sort of elevated her in the seventies into this uh, Avengers character where she, I think was originally called the cat. And then they made her into Hellcat. Um, and she's just kind of a, uh, you know, a acrobatic sort of uh, adventurer. Uh, she doesn't really have anything cool about her until recently, which is kind of sad to say. <laughs> um, she only kind of really became a cool character when uh, Kate Leth and Brittany Williams did a, a new book in 2015 called Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, um, which was fun. It was kind of like a cartoon in comic book form. She gets a new supporting cast. Cool. She hangs out with a bunch of people. It, it came out the same time Unbeatable Squirrel Girl did, uh, which is by Ryan North and um, Erica Henderson. So it's it's like a, it's a, it's a book with a female supporting character that's sort of lighthearted and fun and easy access for anybody who's new to the character, which is something that's sort of sorely needed with Marvel branching out to, yeah, to, to get more varied readership. Um, so so well, if you're... Yeah. that's the two minute marker okay because <laughs> casey you die man you're good you got the knowledge i wasn't listen <laughs> if you're looking to check it out patsy walker aka hellcat top-notch book awesome that, that's cool but the trailer right let's just jump to it the purple line at the end <laughs> it's Kilgrave. he's back it can't be that i mean they literally like almost ripped his head off his neck he got hit by a bus and he survived now you know what i bet it is i bet you it's a flashback or something I don't know. She seems. I don't think you'll be back. See him. I don't think she did look surprised. I'll give you that, Casey. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm torn. Hallucination or flashback, or just a red herring, as Paul was saying off mic. uh, Where they cocaine is a hell of a drug. I I don't. I. I just don't. I. I just don't see it. I don't see him being back. I see him being part of the story a bit, perhaps, but not being back. Well, but I could be wrong. if there's any indication, they may be part of the same science super person science experiment, because yeah. that's what this trailer is focusing on is not only, you know, is Jessica Jones still running her own alias investigations detective agency or private investigator, whatever, same sort of thing. Yeah. She's got her own personal mystery to investigate now, be it the death of her parents, the accident, being saved and then waking up with memory loss and superpowers so there's a lot of stuff here that's focused on your main character which i think is great you know that because all the other shows kind of they're about the main character but they're also peripherally around everyone else too it's kind of like this one is is very much it looks like just her yeah i i love that we get uh the ex-heroin addict. I never can remember the character's name. Malcolm. Malcolm. I love that we're going to get him. He's like a permanent fixture in this universe now. He was great in season one. What little we saw in uh, The Defenders, I liked with him. But I don't know if you're making a face at the screen or if you're making a face at Malcolm. Do you not like Malcolm or you don't care? No, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's just his normal face. Yeah. <laughs> He's got resting butch face. Bush, because he's got the beard. <laughs> no, that's the that's the little beard, man. You didn't know Wild Man Claus, like I knew Wild Man Claus. Yeah, it looked like I crawled off a mountain for a while. <laughs> he did. 
I, I at different points in my adult life, I've looked like I crawled off a mountain. I mean, uh, the Unabomber yeah. fist punched him like, dude, you look like the man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on this? Ultimately, Glotz, the trailer. I'm excited. I can't wait to see how it all comes together. Um, I've heard some people speculating that this might be make or break for Netflix because, uh, you know, following Iron Fist and the Defenders, Iron Fist being hot garbage pretty pretty brutally yeah. panned the hottest garbage and then defenders having i think the most devout of us fans would say as much as we like there's probably equally an equal amount to dislike out of defenders so it's 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 lukewarm garbage yeah. <laughs> it's good like defenders was fine it was good I think, um, I think the 50 50 is right. I think there were some really it's, great it's, moments. And then there's some. It's very 50 yeah. 50, where Iron Fist was very polarizing. So hopefully we don't see that replicated. I here. just hope we at least get the same level of quality of the first season because for right. me, Jessica Jones season one is still like the very top of the top of the heap of all the Marvel TV properties. Yeah. I adore I, I, that first season. I honestly don't remember who said it. If it's to me personally, or if it was on the show, we were talking about it. Somebody was like, "And eh, you know, why I didn't like Jessica Jones?" I was like, "Well, tell me what you like about it." Well, you know, they didn't really need those people banging in the parking lot. I'm like, so you watched the first five minutes or less and decided you didn't like the show? What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Actually, apologies. That might have been Joe Art. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember who said that to me, and it, and it could be a religious grounds he was uncomfortable with, but. Uh, I, I, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good quality, and I hope it stays that way. Uh, now, this the next two here, the the ultimate romance story ever told in the history of mankind. My opinion, this is AFI number one, top one hundred romance stories of all time. It's already my number one film of two thousand eighteen. Hasn't even come out yet. Deadpool two, love of Cable and Deadpool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was you know I'm build up and I was extremely confused where you were. <laughs> I God, I cannot tell you how fresh a new Deadpool was for me last uh, or two years ago when it came out. And it just hit the notes for the comedy, hit the notes for the action, hit the notes for the comic book. It, it was everything I loved about Deadpool. And I haven't had a chance to watch this trailer. Because I again I didn't know it existed till Casey put it in the notes, but I love Deadpool and I'm excited for what they're doing here and the fact that they went hardcore after Cable for this story is great. You guys have seen the trailer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us we, what we wouldn't trailer. be on the show if we didn't, Charles. I haven't seen the trailer and I'm on the show, so fuck you guys. Oh, uh, I'm Charles it. and I don't watch trailers. I didn't know this would existed. I would have watched the shit out of this one. So what you're saying is that your devotion to Deadpool is not that strong. Like you're just you're I kind know. of a... I'm a, I know my true love is coming home and I'm waiting patiently. And if 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 we get Ryan Reynolds on a panel at Dragon Con, I'm totally using that line again. You are my one true love, sir. I'm sure he's heard ha! it. Ha! I'm sure he's heard it a hundred times. Probably. He probably actually has. So tell us about He's probably heard it from more men than women though, to be honest. Especially after yeah. becoming Deadpool, yeah. it's probably yeah, been a lot of fair. like, "I love you, man." I really don't. No, I but I love you. Man. He did. He did it so well. I mean, talk about what we talked about earlier with Brian about people missing the notes, not having the passion. He had the passion. He got it. He fucking got it, and he brought it to the screen. 
It was amazing. But tell me about the he trailer. He got it! He got it. So this trailer, just like the last one, has got a lot of fun beats in it. Um, and by last one, I mean the Bob Ross style yeah. teaser for Deadpool 2. <laughs> oh, that one, that one you've seen. Okay. I um, saw that one. I saw the one with the... the yeah, Charles movie. watches one trailer and then never again. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. the this mm-hmm. one opens up... Perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this one opens up a little more like a traditional action movie trailer. It literally has Cable's eye open and he gives you like, I was born into war. You know, I've known it my whole life. And it gets to the point where you, you're about to see his arm for the first time and he's covered it with a green like sleeve. Like a green screen pre-production sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the the trailer pauses like an old VHS tape and Deadpool kind of pulls you out of it. Um, and it kind of spirals out of control from there because he, he does like his own mock-up with action figures of what the movie will be like until they can finish <laughs> the CG for the rest of the trailer. Um, you really, you should watch it. It doesn't give anything away, so don't sweat it. But, but... Once things get back on, you get to see some stuff of Cable in action. Uh, you get some of, I don't want to call them X-Force, but they're, I mean, they're X-Force, right, Paul? Yeah. You got Domino, you've got Negasonic Teenage Warheads back with a full yeah. head of hair. Um, and then you get a very brief glimpse of what I believe is Shatterstar. Oh, really? Which is really stupid, and I love it. <laughs> I, I totally miss Shatterstar being in there. Oh, it's, it's like a blink-and-you-miss-it thing. It's when the, the, the door pans down and they're all standing side by side. He's, he's standing... Shatter, Shatterstar is from Cable's future, right? No, he's from Mojo World. Oh, right, Mojo World, yep. Yeah. You're right, he's, my bad. He's the son of Longshot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, he's... He's more noted for being like this really lame '90s character who's got like swords, but swords that have two blades and yeah. like a ridiculous. Cool like, from the hell in uh, Marvel Avengers Alliance, he was a cool character. I thought was he any good? I don't remember. I liked it I, for a while. He was for a while. He was epic, but then they nerfed him, and yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm pretty sure that I, I caught a glimpse of him in there next to. Uh, he's between Deadpool and. God, who's that? Who's the other guy? It's not Bishop. At least I don't think it's Bishop. Um, whatever. Anyway, there, there's another super- a big M on his face. He does not have a he does not have a big M on his face. That's uh, not Bishop. I'm running down the cast here. Yeah, I have no idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> so look, they're they're in there. So there's a lot of group shots. There's a lot of action. There, it looks like there's more. Um, more interesting stuff than we were originally led to believe more Easter eggs, that kind of thing. But that should be no stranger to anybody who watched the first one, which is super true to the character in like on like a hundred levels. But listen, I was already going to go see this movie. Of course, I'm already super hype about this movie, of course, but this was fun. This is a fun little, little gag to watch just like the Bob Ross one was. I have movie pass, so there's a good chance I'm gonna see this like ten times in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw just every one. day. Yeah, just, I, I saw the last one three. My wife, who never goes to a movie more than once, saw it twice. So I mean, it it just it was epic in our house, and I bought it's one of the few things I bought the Blu-ray the second it came out, which that I typically don't do. I just very rarely do I buy a film um, at full price, especially. And I, I, yeah, we got that the second it came out. 
Hmm. All right, so I'm 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 jumping through the trailer like I have it paused and I'm just jumping along. Sure. Negasonic looks dope. She looks so cool. Really? Yeah. I like the shaved head look from the first. One. I haven't seen the new look. But I love. Uh, no, she looks awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, she looks she looks badass. This I'm I'm super excited. This is definitely the way to look at a trailer, like to completely dissect it and ruin the entire movie for yourself. Uh, <laughs> no, it just uh, there's some cool stuff here, man. There's some good cable action. Um, there's some excellent action figure work that I think the Toy Power guys will appreciate. Um, in the middle of the trailer. Uh, yeah, no, this I'm I'm excited. Dude, if this is anywhere close to as good as the first one is, it'll be a slam dunk, and I'm down, hundred yeah. percent. Matey, oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Just, not, just not a scant it. couple of weeks after Infinity War. You know, honestly, I almost like fuck Black Panther. Just give me Deadpool, but you know, I'll take Black Panther in the meantime since it's coming out first. What the? It's Deadpool, bitch, shut up. It's Deadpool. <laughs> no, bitch, you can't say no. that. Nah, no, dude. no, that's racist. <laughs> Seriously though, no. But for real though, like Black Panther is like the most culturally important movie of the year, comics wise. And you're just like, yeah, fuck that movie. I want to watch my dick and fart joke movie. I do. You just hate. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck empowerment for you know the disadvantaged and oppressed people of this of this world. Casey gets it. He wore the black headphones. He gets it. I always have. We're all wearing black headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Solo. Tell me about so I did not know Solo had released a trailer either. Tell me about there was a teaser trailer Wait, during the Super Bowl. Watch the bowl, my dude. Did uh, you? No. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only motherfucker on this podcast right now that watched the Super Bowl. Look, I was around for the Super Bowl, but I mean, I like popped in and out. I was mostly yeah. eating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there was a <laughs> teaser trailer for Solo, and my hot take is that virtually everything looks great. Except for Solo, like the character, the guy who plays Han Solo himself. Yeah, I don't think that dude's gonna capture the vibe. Wow. It's gonna be really tough. Uh, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover as young Lando looks dope. He's gonna be the absolute best thing about this movie. And that, what I literally said on Facebook after watching it, I was like, if this entire film is garbage, it'll be worth it to see. Yeah, I saw you post a poster of Solo. Don Glover oh, as Glover, young yeah. Lando. Um, yeah, and the posters, yeah, the posters they put out look great. Um, yeah, so no, it, it looks cool. Um, Khaleesi's in it. Uh, and whatever she looks her name. great too, as yeah. uh, Kira, a new a new character with sweet purple hair and a yep. feisty attitude. If her poster is any indication, yeah. So I feel like it, it kind of dawned on me that um, some of these actors and actresses are starting to take these one-off shows or not shows, but movies to be like, I'm a cash in on star Wars, but I don't want to have to be in a bunch of them. <laughs> so let me go do this side movie that'll never get, you know what I mean? Nothing ever else will come out of it. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I laughed at that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's a new tie fighter, which uh, as a spaceship nerd for star wars uh i'm super excited about it, it looks like it's got like a ordnance pod side by side with the pilot pod um it's a new look for the falcon because it's you know back in the day brand new right. fresh off the lot new car smell millennium falcon yeah 
Uh, one of my favorite memes popping around the internet right now is uh, it's a side-by-side -side picture of the new Falcon look because it's a brand new Falcon. So all the pads on the walls are bright white and everything. Mm -hmm. And then the one that we're used to from the faded yellow. And they're like, yeah, new lungs versus smoker lungs. <laughs> oh, I've seen a better one that you might appreciate. It had the clean Falcon and the dirty Falcon. And then it had a perfect Super Nintendo, and then the Super Nintendo with the yellowed plastic that fucking everybody has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other interesting things, if I recall correctly, is I think um, this version of the Falcon has that middle uh, open gap area, the, the the cargo bay or whatever, is actually closed off because it hasn't all have had all of its panels taken off yet. So that's kind of nifty. Um, yeah. Cool. On a on a side note, there's some pretty dope Lego sets coming out for uh, this film. If you are a fan of the Legos, uh, they're they're pretty cool. Um, a lot of mud spattered people. So I've been like a lot of the characters that are specific to the the solo line are like covered in mud on their printed parts. And I was like, hmm, does that mean we're gonna get like a super swampy or muddy planet that they're gonna spend a lot of time on? I'm not sure. Lego is always spoiling this stuff, man. Right, a little bit. Well, a little bit. to be fair, it's not their fault. You know, they produce this stuff, and then somebody spoils the spoils. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they find the they find the um. The, the documentation that goes out to like retailers and stuff and then they share it publicly. A, a friend of mine got the giant man scene from civil war spoiled because of oh Lego. yeah yeah because we, we covered that on the show you know the thing is though i don't think anybody was surprised by that i remember talking about it on the show and i was like at the time i even said i was like if you didn't expect ant-man to go giant in this then you don't know anything about ant-man yeah you know what i mean like pin particles yeah we're going we're going everywhere Listen, it surprised me, and I, listen, I don't know. I was not expecting them to do it. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I'm ashamed of myself, really. Yeah, you're a big dummy. I mean, I knew they were going to do something like that eventually, but I didn't think that he was going to have, like, the same suit and do both. Yeah, he's done that all the time through all the... No, it's usually two different suits. When he's Giant Man, he's Giant Man, and when he's Ant-Man, he's Ant-Man. I, I the, okay the the Avengers cartoons that I watched that I really know everything about Avengers from he did he would doing both yeah that's a new that's a new thing it might be it might be uh so I almost forgot about this and I'm glad I was looking at the notifications on my phone because this is another listener submitted story we had one last week we had one this week antidote who is it from. Anado, he has been a friend of the show from the from the helicarrier days and, and been a part of what we've done and he sends this in from the nerdist he wants to know what our, he loves he said he loves the show he wants to know what our take on this is and it is marvel releases trailer for wolverine scripted drama podcast and marvel and stitcher announced uh, in late 2017 they team up for a new audio drama podcast marvel's first scripted podcast endeavor featuring wolverine so it's going to come out in March, and they have released an audio. I wonder what the legalities are of playing the audio on the show. I guess we won't do it. I don't know what the legalities are. Mm -hmm. um, but Not uh, going to do it. Yeah, no, no. no. Uh, but Wolverine slash Logan will be the star of his own story. We also share a spotlight with FBI agents Sally Pierce and Tad Marshall. The long night is set in Burns, Alaska, where a savage serial killer has left a trail of terror in their wake. Blah, blah, blah. He can't remember shit and all this other stuff. Uh, Green Arrow writer Ben Percy scripted it. 
uh, for director Brendan Baker. I don't know who Brendan Baker is. Uh, the cast is headlined by Celia Keenan Bolger as Agent Pierce. Nobody cares about the things you're saying. <laughs> Y'all know voice stuff. I don't know voice stuff. Uh, it doesn't say who's playing Wolverine, but it sounds cool. You guys will watch a, a Marvel backed written Wolverine drama podcast. I will. Oh, I will yeah. absolutely listen to that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. March 12th, it'll be on Stitcher Premium, which means you got to pay for it, uh, before getting wider audience release on all podca- podcast platforms this fall. On March 12th, it'll also be on your local pirate site, right? So, yeah, basically, if you're on the up and up. Whoa, wait a minute. Richard Armitage is doing Wolverine's voice? You yes. just said nobody cared about what I was saying. Yeah. Well, because you were listing off a lot of names that nobody cares about. <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't even know who Richard Armitage is. He was Thor and Oak and Shield in the Hobbit movies. Okay, the, the, the leader of the dwarves. Okay, I got. He you. was the one that was on uh, Being Human, the UK version. Yeah, 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 yeah. The werewolf, yes. or not werewolf? I mean, no, he was not the werewolf. werewolf. He was the vampire. Yeah, he was a vampire. He's also the Red Dragon from the Hannibal TV show. I haven't actually seen that. Oh no! Wait, no, no, no. He wasn't on Being Human. That was uh, no. That was one of the other dwarves. I'm sorry. Richard Armitage, though, was Thorin Oakenshield. Okay, Thorin Oakenshield. All right. Uh, well, there you go. Maybe you should read it next time. But uh, Arendelle, <laughs> I don't want to. I didn't know it was I don't, on the list. I don't like to bore our audience. When did you put this in the notes? Like three seconds ago. He put it in there three seconds ago because he's a ninja. Oh, man. <laughs> because I remembered. Because I remembered. And we're loyal to our fans. And our fans wanted to hear what the hell we had to say about it. And it sounds awesome. Well, it does. Yeah. I heard about this, too. It sounds super good. Um... I, oh, yeah, me too. What we got in the two or three minute teaser was fine, but I really got to see how it comes together as a whole because I'm kind of new to like serialized, um, like narrated story driven podcasts. I'm like kind of getting my feet wet in the whole thing with a couple other ones, but uh, I'm excited. I love this podcast. Well, that's one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also said good ones. <laughs> oh. Hey, fuck uh, you. Did you guys hear I, that? I donated to their Patreon. They know they got me. Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. Fuck the Eagles. Uh, thank you, Anna. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry. I really don't give, give a shit about football. Uh, but, Anna, thank you for submitting that. Uh, March 12th, if you pay for it on Stitcher, otherwise, like the rest of us, you have to wait till fall. Or find other means to yeah. more than happy to wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last thing on our well, not the last thing on our list, but next last thing on our list is Cloverfield Paradox. Holy I'm gonna crap, tell you now. A lot of things tonight. Yeah, we did. Brian was awesome. Jesus, Christmas. Uh, we're at we're yeah. So uh, go ahead. I'm gonna tell you now. We're gonna do a short and dirty run through this. So there's spoilers. If you haven't seen it skip this part because we're not going to play i'm actually not going to spoil it very much i'm just going to mention that i know casey and i saw it i saw it um if you were watching the superb owl they did a a teaser trailer for it during that and then it released that night and nobody knew that it was happening i know right it is Uh, i saw casey said he watched it the other day and he quite liked it i watched it last night uh i quite liked it however i will say this I don't understand 
why we're taking movies that are perfectly fine on their own and making them into brand- a franchise and branding them as Cloverfield and trying to shoehorn them into a universe that they okay. don't need to be part of. Okay. See, I didn't feel like a shoehorn at all. I felt like the whole thing was Cloverfield from the beginning because it's, it's that, is that what Brian was talking about where they just drop you in the middle and you figure things out. The first Cloverfield, we had no idea what was going on. And then you catch that little thing at the very end with the, the sparkle comes down in the background of the video. Well, you also didn't follow the, I'm assuming you didn't follow like the alternate reality game stuff that was. No, I was not aware of those games. I am now, but I was not aware of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, people say game. I mean, it's, it's a quotation mark game. It's basically like a scavenger hunt on the internet. They give you clues. They give you fake websites and you can kind of, garner some level of information about it that was the real charm of the first movie is because nobody knew what it was about nobody said anything what it was about but some people started to get an idea because of this arg thing right um and this one had one of those two that i completely yeah. missed out on but i did too yeah but, 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 but so, by the same token it's like it's like oh super bowl trailer here you go it's already on the internet next thing yeah. jj's gonna come to your house and throw a fucking dvd through your window <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing i say for jj I loved his uh, TED talk, and he talks about the mystery box, and that's his thing is not to go. Oh, I hate that. A, B, and C. I loved it. I love the idea of you. Oh, I think it's the most yeah, bullshit thing anybody's ever said ever. You, Claude, I loved it. No, you want to talk about it? Okay. No. So for the folks at home that don't know what you're talking about, he literally said that he likes to set up the mystery box, the meaning mystery. he he raises a question that he never has any intention of answering. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Did That's, you not like Cloverfield, the first film? It was fine. It wasn't great. But it does that exact thing. It's not about the monster. But it was what but Cloverfield was a self-contained experience. Honestly, I said it I say it was fine because I think the content was fine. The shooting style sucked. I know a lot of people got sick watching it. That found the shake, you didn't fucking see anything. Like it, it was, I don't want to rant. I was disappointed to have paid money to see that in the theater. I'll say that much. I got irritated but, that the teenagers kept throwing down the weapons at it. Like, you fucking had a ball. Right. Don't throw it down. But didn't it, that's not what we're really talking about no, here. You, you were just praising JJ's mystery box bullshit, yes. which is literally just like, I'm going to raise a question in the story, and I'm never going to deliver on it. That's what Lost no, did. I think this that's is what he delivers on it. I, to a point, it, I think he's putting little pieces in. So, Tim Cloverfield Lane. Now it's this. It was Ten Cloverfield crazy. Lane is a survivalist thriller that at the very end, but it, but but at the very end is when it ties into Cloverfield. Right, because you you hold oh. on, you're going. Is it real? Is it real? And it ties in because yes, the whole thing was real, but that's not what the story was about. It's about what's going on in his brain. What the question is: What is this guy John uh, John Goodman really all about? What's going on here? And is right, it which has about? nothing to do with Cloverfield because you so you now, have this. No, but you have this great movie that has literally nothing to do with the whole aliens or whatever the fuck they are. And then she escapes from the, the shelter and she, it's been a couple years. So I'm spoiling shit. She escapes from the shelter and then the aliens are out there. But that's the and thing. for the, the last 10 minutes of the movie is the only time any of that matters. But that's the thing. The first one was not aliens at all. The second one was, no, this is tied to Cloverfield, but it's different. What, what are you talking on? about? What are you talking about? It wasn't aliens. Those were like different monsters. No, these were. They the came from under the ground. This is all the yeah. same stuff, though. It's, uh, it's all it's the... different. It's slightly different. They didn't it's... have floating jellyfish ships in Cloverfield. They had nothing like that. They had little bug head crab creatures from Half-Life and the big Godzilla ripoff <laughs> dinosaur. You're so ridiculous right now. You're so wrong. I'm so confused. I feel like I haven't seen the same movie. 
the first movie's a fucking it's a thriller creature feature okay it's like it, it's, it's found a, footage first of all yeah which well, is yeah. usually was it's a fad that thankfully died but yes I agree. um yeah no i mean like that was n- none of that was necessary for 10 cloverfield lane so here's, 10 cloverfield lane would have been a great movie without shoehorning the last 10 minutes of effects but why would in. you call it 10 cloverfield lane if it has well you wouldn't that's what i'm saying but no, neither of these movies were originally sourced like both the paradox and 10 cloverfield lane neither of them started as we're writing the next installment in the cloverfield series they were spec scripts that got picked up by his production company and then they're like cloverfield i i and they did the same thing I with paradox it's like oh i love cloverfield. paradox well i love donald Logue sitting in there telling me about the Cloverfield Paradox, and if you that Donald that off, Donald Logue part was literally the worst part. Oh, oh, I love that where he's talking about the paradox and past, present, future demons and and aliens and is that an alternate universe? Yeah, like, and that worked. That scene, that scene, and the last scene are the only things that make it Cloverfield at all. But, and but it opens up to something bigger, the wonder of the universe. It doesn't though, because he's be something else. You were just talking about the mystery box thing. He's not going to ever answer any questions. But he tells more stories inside the box. That's not the, I don't know. give a shit about that. I, I don't. I love it. There's no resolution of the story though. That's the point. Like we have three films in the Cloverfield universe now, and we have no fucking answers. There's no reason to care about the Cloverfield angle. I care because of all the weird shit that happens, and and I loved how he. Which you can get out of like HP Lovecraft and Alien and all these other franchises that do the same sort of thing. The the creatures from beyond that are unknown to us, that corrupt us or whatever, all that shit's been done. Like Cloverfield Paradox has a lot more in common with like Event Horizon than it does anything else that has a group. I thought Event Horizon was a very big stretch of the horror genre force into sci-fi mix there but anyway casey we've been yelling we're gonna be quiet now tell us your very calm and realistic take on <laughs> calm and realistic for me i don't think i know so. do, do your take man um well i think paul's right and i brought this up when i i blipped about it as soon as i'd seen it on facebook this movie has a lot in common with event horizon in that the ship is kind of alive and <laughs> basically trying to kill the entire crew so, um, but the Van Horizon was such a show. It went to hell, became a demon itself, and came back and killed everybody. That's not that. See, even then, that's still like speculative stuff. Like in that movie, it's because similarly, they're fold, they're like folding space, folding space. Or in this one, it's they're doing a super collider experiment. You know, faster than light tachyons mm-hmm. and whatnot. All this pseudoscience stuff. That's like, oh, what makes the DeLorean, you know, jump through time? Well, is it folding space or is it going faster than the speed of light? Like, it's all this fake theoretical science that's like, it's fun and you don't really need to explain it. It's just kind of like fucking capacitor. That's what makes it go through time. Right, but but it has to actually drive. It also runs on plutonium. You have to hit a certain speed. Like there's eighty miles an hour. Yeah. Okay, but like there's it's... yes, Charles. You've seen the movie yeah. clearly. You can tell. Yeah. How many gigawatts? You fuck. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you let us know? One point twenty-one. There you go. I know, um, motherfucker. Anyway, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so you've got all this crazy pseudoscience that kind of works, or at least it works in the in the understanding of the movie as we're giving it to us. In Event Horizon, they fold space using some gravity-based technology, and yes, it passes through kind of a hell dimension, 
which is why well, they, a lot of people think that it's a precursor to Warhammer, which is awesome. Right. Well, the whole thing with Event Horizon, though, is that it's they go to the Event Horizon of a black hole. Right. Right. Well, the and ship is also named the Event. Right, but it, I mean, it, it's the it's the theory. It's it deals somewhat with the theory of what might happen that you could, yeah, if you couldn't escape at well, a black hole. Yeah. I I th- I. Th- it's been a long. I watched it once in the theaters. I watched this movie as soon as I finished off Cloverfield, so right, it's yeah. like fresh in my brain. All right, um, but the ship is trying in Event Horizon. But there's still no answers in that fucking movie either. Right, but that's okay. You don't like you know this mystery box. But it's thing. Event Horizon wasn't shoehorned into an existing franchise for no reason. And that's what I'm getting to. So this movie. Yeah originally started out as a screenplay called the god particle that was picked up by bad robot and they eventually rebranded it and shot additional scenes to make it a cloverfield movie if you look at everything in this movie that just takes place on the space station there's no way you would ever know it was a cloverfield film unless i told you but by the same token I was always under the impression, and maybe this is just because of 10 Cloverfield Lane, that it was kind of like an anthology series of weird science fiction-y shit. I get that. Yeah. Right. That's not directly related, but it's kind of like, this is weird shit that's happening in a universe, kind of like the Twilight is, Zone. The string is that ties it together is a Cloverfield paradox. And I just don't care about that because yeah. it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't need to be strung together. I think it's interesting that it is in the same way. I love a shared universe. Like, I love it. I love a shared universe, but it's got to have relevance to each other. Right. You know? I, I don't know. I liked it. I I've, I I disagree. With you, you. you didn't think that last effect shot, which I'm trying to be intentionally oh, vague no. about, you didn't think that wasn't completely stupid? No, I thought it was awesome. Like, there's my boy. There he is. I thought, but it had nothing to do with the rest of the film. I really thought it, it was did. awesome. It, 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 it right back to what was going on in the first film. and, and the I don't – you both have lost so much credibility with me in this conversation <laughs> well, because Casey will I sit here week after week and be like, oh, that's garbage. That's garbage. And this – the like I said, the core film, the God <laughs> Particle film is fine. Cloverfield paradox aspect of it, fucking terrible. But you know what? Nothing ever gets explained in the God Particle film. They do explain it. The whole thing is that by doing this experiment, they they've, went to torn, the universe. they've torn. No, not just that, but they've torn open reality. So apparently, the reason why monsters exist in the first film is because right. it's torn through space and time, it's and now there's giant monsters. Paradox. And why right. there's aliens in the second movie is because they've torn through space exactly. and time. Exactly. But you don't. You don't need that. But and none it, of that was established. Like when they wrote Cloverfield, the God Particle movie was not yeah, a blip on anybody's so radar. Alone. I mean, we don't know why his arm is doing its thing. We don't know why the thing right. suddenly gets magnetized. We don't know. I mean, there's, right. I'm telling you, in the God Particle part, there's no answer for any of that. And none of that stuff has anything to do with the actual Cloverfield stuff, like the monster stuff. Right. But you just said the God Particle film was the good part. Right, but, but if have, which which if you take own, if you take the Cloverfield stuff away, there's still no answers. He, no, but what I'm saying is his it's all explained inside the movie as they they've transitioned between dimensions and it's fine. Why is everything weird? Because we did this experiment that destroyed right. reality. Yes. Whereas That's your reasoning. When you, you tack the Cloverfield thing on, you're like, oh, everything's weird. Here's more weird stuff. Space station, and we caused that, but also. There's a bunch of monsters on Earth just because. But we're not going to show you any of those monsters 
and we're not going to show you any of the thing that those monsters are doing. We're just going to tack the title of this franchise on this movie, and you're going to have seen the other two movies, and so you're going to be like, oh, that's what they're getting at. The, so you, you yeah, I, I liked it. I, I think it's great. I would love. Look, it's a cool it. movie, but it's got, like Paul said, these unnecessary bits to tie it back in and make it a franchise. I don't right. know. I, I think it's an anthology. I think there. I really stories. think it. W- it's think literally it's a marketing scheme where they're like, if we put Cloverfield on the name of this movie, it'll make money. People will watch it just because they think it's going to well, be part of. Yeah, this. if I'd heard it was a God Particle movie, I wouldn't have known what that was. I probably wouldn't have watched it until I heard a bunch of people talk about it. I watched mm-hmm. it immediately because it had Cloverfield on it, but I liked it. I liked everything that was like. I still liked the movie. I had a good time. I don't like, know I why it's watching. getting as much flack as it's getting. Do you think it's because it's the shoehorning that's they're knocking it down so much? I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it is it's kind of cliched. That story's basically been told. Yeah, you know I mean, it's it's a different take on an already established kind of concept. Yeah, I, I think the character work is solid. I thought uh, Chris O'Dowd is a big favorite of mine. You know the yes. Irish guy from IT Crowd. I, uh, I really wanted him to like they get it to work and then everything screwed up. He goes, "Have you tried turning it on and off?" off, and off back <laughs> I love that. Um, I, we're not. The Russian says uh, we're not in Kentucky anymore. It's Kansas. Who cares? Probably from Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he brought that typical Chris O'Dowd level of wit, yeah. which I like. I want to see more of him. Basically, all of all of the the performances from the actors and actresses were great. Um, Jensen was fe- cool. The female lead, Jensen, was great too. Yeah. Like she she had an un like an unearthly aspect to her that I really liked. Because she's from the wrong universe, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna mispronounce her name, but Zhang Ziyi. Uh, the if you remember from way back in the day, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, he was a younger uh, um, woman in that. Baron and she Zemo is in this movie. Baron Zemo's yes. in it, and he was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like the the performances were fine. The story was cool. the The effects on the space station and what they were doing was cool. Even the backstory with the the main characters like family and what was going on with her being separated from her spouse and stuff is good decision to even go into space at all right and the ex like because spoiler we spoiled a fair amount of stuff here but the the big spoiler is that they transition dimensions so they end up in the other another version where everything is similar but almost the same but a little bit worlds at war she never went to space and her family never died well uh, dude i wasn't trying to spoil that (laughs) the whole i mean if you look we've already that's that that's a second act revelation man like damn Uh, we said spoilers going in okay (laughs) i love that that is actually my favorite part of this whole movie is when they deal in stuff like that because you know me Mm -hmm. i love exiles i love sliders i love quantum leap i love all these realities slightly different trans you know things and maybe i haven't seen this in a film maybe it's been done maybe i don't know I've read it in stuff before and I love the concept is that, you know, she's like, I want to, I want to go and have this life. And, and the captain is like, well, you, you can't, it's not, it's her life. It's not yours. Those are your kids, you know? And she's like, she's like, even so, like I have, I have the potential to save them from the catastrophe that befell (laughs) my family. It's a powerful scene. And, you know, yeah. You're right. The the acting and the character development is really the best part of this movie. But that, I mean, that moment, more than anything else, more than the cool Cloverfield monster and all this other stuff jumping out, that was the moment that really stuck with me. And the arm. I love the arm bit. That was fun. <laughs> the arm bit was cool. The, the lie was, 
that's so weird. He talked about his own art. That's so weird. Chris yeah. O'Dowd is probably one of the best parts of the film, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. So one more thing here. Klotz, you started a poll. I, 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 re, I re-upped on my geek card, my nerd card, whatever you want to call it. Oh, boy. I officially started my first comic pull list. <gasps> We're so proud of you. <laughs> He's so excited. Uh, it's only for one book. Oh, Aaron's. What is it? Uh, the new Kirkman book, Oblivion Song. Okay. As recommended by the ever gregarious Travis Jones? Uh, not because he recommended it, but because uh, basically my thought was I never had the opportunity to get in on the ground floor of any of Kirkman's other stuff, and Kirkman's other stuff has been great. Yep. Yeah. So I figure I want to get in in the beginning. I want to be in you know, from the get-go. It's got a post-apocalyptic vibe, which I love. Um, that's kind of his space, but like I, I really like stuff like that. It's got an interesting plot hook for me. So I, I'm excited to read something every month for the first time ever, you know what I mean? And own it and curate it from the beginning and enjoy that experience. Um, sure. I don't know that I'm going to do it forever, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it'll be nice to, to get in at the ground floor. So yeah, went to my local comic shop and started the list. Is there anything else you're fixing to read? Are you taking recommendations I'm I'm always interested to hear what maybe is worth reading. The, the, so the problem with the mainline book, like we, Casey and I have been talking about revitalizing uh, panel by panel, by the way. We've talked about it a little bit on the show in the past. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's hard to find good jump in points sometimes in the main two lines, you know, Marvel and DC, yeah. because there's, there's so many books nowadays. There's so many concurrent storylines and then obviously all the retcons and the, the crossover events and everything like that. It's hard to find a good hop in point and ride it out and just get a good well, story. Which is why I always tried to pick finished story arcs. So you just talk sure. about the story arc itself. Well, you know, and, and I don't mean that in regards to panel by panel, but I mean like as a fan. Oh, like, okay. yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like, At any point, if you're out of the loop on comics, it's a struggle to get back in. Oh yeah. It's, I'm a regular reader. And in 2015, I almost fell out of comics because of how much I was trying to keep up with, with Marvel doing secret wars. Mm-hmm. They had so many titles and so many interesting things going on. Like, I don't want to say all those books were must reads, but like, there were none of the consequences of any of those books meant anything, but it was, you had great creators, great writers, great artists, just churning out like a bunch of four issue miniseries while the main ongoing books were all happening, but they had to jump ahead because they had to deal with the fallout of this giant event that had was racked with delays and extra issues and all kinds of stuff. Travis mm-hmm. and I were just talking about this today, uh, you know, but it was, it was a hard time for me to be a fan because there was so much to consume and read, let alone, you know, if I were paying for, mm-hmm. for most of it at the time, like a lot of the stuff I waited to get later. Um, when it came yeah. out in either trade or digital, I don't think or... I don't think anybody can l- l- really legitimately justify buying every book in an event like. No, I made that, that mistake once in 2006. I own every single issue related to Civil War that came out. That's over 100 issues. Right That's around. about a hundred. I think it's either between 130 and 150 issues. Yeah, I read all of them. So that's like you're, you're talking. If you paid full retail on everything at the time, about 500 dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's yeah. that's a lot of money. Yeah, for one storyline. That's you it. know what I mean. Yeah, and that was the that was to get everything. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you could probably trim about three quarters of that 
you know mm -hmm. but yeah. either way I, I mean look comic books are tough i'm i just to swing this back to you i'm so glad that you're you're getting back to reading a serialized monthly um yeah. you know it's a lot different to get back into it now uh i mean it's good that you're starting on a, a number one and an indie book it's not just some new arc that you know you're getting thrown to the wolves here um right but hey you know you're following a creator it's, you like it's yeah it's a creator i like it's uh you know it's an image book so it's from one of the you know the offshoots but still one of the major players so i know that it's going to be reliable right i know it's going to have the resources that it needs to have uh you know because that's the always the always the other fear right like when you look at an indie book there are some great indie books out there that don't make it you know what i mean they make yeah. it a few issues and then you're, you're done they call it the three issue bump yeah 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 so i mean you know that's the thing is uh I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it, the first issue comes out next month. I'm sure I'll talk about it when I get it in my grubby hands and get to, to flip through it. Um, it'll come out on a Wednesday. So hopefully I'll have the opportunity to grab it and then we'll record that night. And I'll be able to talk yeah. without spoilers, but at least be like, Hey, I like it. You uh, and I will uh, both talk about it. Maybe we could get Travis. To, we'll do the, We'll do it as the three of us. Although I, yeah. think, I think he got an advanced copy of that cheater. He's yeah, super, screw Charles. He's, he's super tight with his. Uh, Y'all will need to go on the Blazing the Fitter report because I was promised this would never become a pool show. And you just goddamn planned a pool show. Listen, can you can you spare four dollars a month no. for our Lord Robert Kirkman? No, <laughs> no, I refuse. Come on, man. Wait, ah! isn't there? What, where's your, how far away is your local comic ah! shop? If you really wanted to grab something, come on. I don't fucking know. Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't you've know. never looked for a hobby shop in your area, your major many, metropolitan area. Many, many years ago, I'm busy mm -hmm. doing cool shit. The Androids Dungeon basically. He's also Tarzan. got four kids. I mean, let's yeah. be real. His <laughs> life is a little bit hectic. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Just because right. we're a couple of New York bachelors, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So we're we are way long today, but it's been awesome. It's been fun. Uh, we're we'll. We had a great time with Brian uh, D. Bradley, and you guys check out his stuff. It's amazing stuff. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel. Uh, Patreon, lots of new awesome stuff going on there. Patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. Check us out. Email is BTP. Yeah. Email is BTP at giantsizeteamup.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again to Anado for submitting a story. And uh, check out Botched and the Blazing Nerf Fender Report and all the other awesome shows that are on Giant Size Team Up Network. And we'll see you all. We'll see you. Hopefully, you'll be pulling our podcast and your list and your pool list next week. You'll be pulling something. <laughs>